Seinfeld. The secret code is over, but we're just getting started here on the Seinfeld Recap Podcast, a podcast about nothing. And now, here are the two guys who do all of their electronics shopping on LeapinLarrys.com. I'm Rob Sassoon. Here's Akiva Winokur. Akiva, how are you? I'm great. I'm very excited. What year do you think Leap and Larry went out of business? Ooh, boy. I feel like the... Like the tech bubble when things started going online, I think about ninety nine two thousand. Leaping Larry. Well, he went into business probably this week. Yes, with the fire. probably the fire really put him under. But you know the Leaping Larry's equivalents across town probably went into business like ninety nine two thousand. Yeah, I mean, didn't even like bigger places like didn't nobody beats the Wiz go out of business? I'm not sure. I know that they still have PC Richards and stuff on you know uh, Long Island in New York. But and you if you like a Jet Games is a a ton of PC Richards stuff, right? Yes, they're a big Jet sponsor. Yeah, nobody beats the Wiz. You remember them, right? Of course. Yeah, nobody beats the Wiz. Crazy Eddie, all these things like Best Buy and Circuit City just like wiped them out. And now we're at the point, the reckoning, where then Best Buy and Circuit City are probably Circuit City is already gone, and Best Buy is probably like not long for this world. Yeah, well, I mean, Nobody Beats the Wiz also shows up in a later Seinfeld episode, too. But yes. I think it closed uh, in 2003, uh, and PC Richard owns their website. Okay. Like, PC Richard's, I may have, like, bought the crumbs of the store, but then didn't, uh, yeah. didn't what's called, do anything. They sold it. Oh, this is good. The, the owners, the Jamals, sold it, uh, like, right before it went bad, I think. And he used the money to open up a new electronics chain, The Zone, which all went out of business within two years. The Zone, you say? <laughs> wow. There was an article about, uh, I think, uh, about uh, Nobody Beats the Wiz in, um, in like, the New York Times Magazine or something. Mm-hmm. And it was about how, like, secretive the owners were. Why were they so secretive? I had, they were just, like, a very private family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... And like one of the things that they, they're like, they had like one big sale a year. Like as part of the article, they said like, uh, you know, who like they, he, they would the they wouldn't tell them who the, they wouldn't tell New York Times who the founder was, you know, that it was his birthday. Like who they wouldn't let him know, like the most basic information, like who like, OK, whose birthday is it? Oh, we're not going to say. Yeah. You know, who's in charge? So they were incredible. There was like a really if, if someone could go back and find the article, it's like an amazing article. It I was wish very that my birthday one day will be celebrated with. 10% off household appliances. I think that that would really be a fitting, especially because my birthday is in October. So really the, you know, uh, 10th month would, uh, you know, for 10%, 10, actually my birthday is 10, 20. So 10, 10% or 20% off on certain things. Yeah. Like 10 on, on electronics and 20 on uh, home goods. Yeah. I think that would be perfect. Yeah. Maybe I should be the founder. It's <laughs> the best way we celebrate, uh, you know, George Washington and Abraham Lincoln. With some sales. <laughs> All right. So we are going to get into everything from the secret code. Uh, we're talking about the Leap and Larry subplot, but probably obscured by uh, the more memorable subplot of the ATM pin code and Bosco. And we will talk about all of that and how I'm sure Akiva's pin codes are not Bosco. Oh, definitely not. Because one, Akiva famously hates chocolate. And two, in our universe, words are not pin codes. Uh, no, they're not even allowed to be passwords on the internet. <laughs> I mean, that's the biggest thing. I feel like even in the 1995 of it all, I feel like when I first watched this episode, I said, I don't know how, they're, how they have words as their passcode. 
Uh, there's, there's no, you know, they're taking creative license here. I just think there's no way to make a joke. Like if they workshopped and tried to make a joke out of like, you know, what if his password is like one 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 or one two three four? You know, there's just no way to 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 have the same kick as as uh, you know having having uh, Peterman's mom scream out Bosco. But I don't know in in the writers' room. I mean, are, are we missing something here? Like, was there a point where? There was a word that you could type in to the ATM, and then what would you do? Like, sort of like use the touch tone dialing system to type in the word. I don't think so. I think they're just making stuff up here. <laughs> well, you would. Th- wouldn't somebody fact check this before it gets on the air? Do you think the show had fact checkers? Like, isn't this like the hundred twentieth episode or something we're doing? You think they have fact checkers? I mean, I think that there should be somebody to say, you know, at my bank they use four digit numbers as the passcode. It's not a word. Do you guys at your bank is it a word? Maybe there was one guy who, uh, maybe like Fred Stoller, you know, who's no longer in the writer's room, I guess, at this point. Yeah. But like maybe there's one writer who's just like doesn't even have a bank account and just lied and said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we use words. Like you have a word where like if you have a, like an alarm system and then the, somebody like triggers the alarm and then they call you and you have like a safe word with your alarm or, you know, passwords on a computer. But. No, I, I don't understand the ATM pin code password. I agree, but does that really ruin the episode on its own for you? <laughs> it doesn't ruin the episode. I'm just saying that I still that I, it's very distracting for me to think about that. Like, but why is it a word? Um, listen, we can't analyze comedy. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> hey, but it's supposed to be comedy that's based in our universe. Where yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot in this episode that's barely based in our universe. <laughs> All right. So hopefully, if anybody, especially, you know, I wasn't really doing a lot of banking transactions in 1995. I think I barely had a passbook at that point. So maybe somebody could let us know. No, actually, at one point, it used to have a word more than a number. So hopefully, uh, we can get to the bottom of that. But, Keeve, before we get into the episode, any news to talk about? I know we're coming off the heels of our Soup Nazi episode, which I was very concerned about, but... It seems to have uh, found an audience. Yeah, I, we, we, we weren't sure. It was so different than most of the episodes we've done, the podcast, that I, we weren't sure how it would be received. But I think um, pretty universally, uh, people really liked it. <laughs> the people that could stomach to get through it. Yeah. They seem to enjoy it. I guess maybe the people that hated it just turned it off and never told us. Well, that's we're sort of in. Yeah, we're sort of in this world where like the only people left are people who tolerate us for whatever reason. And then it's. You were, you know, it was just a lot of yes men at this point. Right, right. It would be probably just, uh, you know, utter drivel to the masses. But to our base, they said, yes, yes, you guys nailed it. Yeah, like if you post this like, hey, here's a preview, post this in like the made feed of Rafa's podcast, <laughs> people would like be boycotting, I think. <laughs> that was suggested to me. I should put this in the main feed of Rafa's podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Um, I, I mean, I feel like we that conversation... Should happen like 116 episodes ago. Okay, well, <laughs> at this point, we're post show recaps exclusive. We have, uh, you know, my contract says post show recaps only. I don't know what yours says, but all right. Well, <laughs> well, let's not get into contracts, but we have to bring Chester in for that. But let, <laughs> what, let's talk about some of these uh, news items uh, for the week in Seinfeld news. Um, yes. Yeah, so uh, in an episode that we will get to uh, relatively soon, uh, you know, the the gang goes to uh, Michigan because if you ever look on a the uh, can, a soda can, or any sort of anything could be redeemed for 
what is it cans and bottles but Bo- yeah can cans and bottles so like so right. so you know it's five cents in new york and five cents in connecticut and and of course the famous 10 cents in michigan mm-hmm. so that you know in seinfeld they drive to michigan to redeem it at double the price so a man tried to uh, imitate art yes and uh it didn't work out so well for him okay well what happened i don't understand why this was such an issue uh so he had uh many many bottles broke down no i don't think i i don't think he was in any sort of special vehicle Hmm. i don't think it was i don't think he borrowed newman's mail truck i think he uh he had all these bottles in his car and he's driving to michigan and you're not allowed it was ten thousand bottles you're not allowed to go to michigan from other states to redeem the bottles yes which i don't know how they police that but that's like a thing. And I, do you even know why Michigan gives 10 cents? I think that they're probably the most environmental state, right? Michigan? Yeah. Is that their... Is that, that's is like, that their, they're, like, they're famous for that, right? Okay. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I, I made that up. I, bet. I, 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 don't, I don't believe that that's the reputation of Michigan. So um, in addition to it's illegal, it, it being illegal to go to Michigan yeah. to... Um, redeem them if you don't live there let's say you live in illinois if you try and return ten thousand or more bottles it's up to five years in prison and five thousand dollars in fines according to michigan's beverage containers act which is really one of the most famous pieces of uh, american legislation yes yes absolutely so if if you do more than ten thousand at a time that's illegal yes could you do like five thousand yourself and give five thousand to some like random homeless person sure okay of course but so the the guy who got caught his name is uh Brian Edward Everidge of Columbiaville. E-E-E. He, uh, and he's, he picked up the cans in Lexington, Kentucky. Um, so his attorney is saying that uh, he, didn't, he didn't, since he didn't try and attempt the bottles, you had no idea what he's trying to do with them. So you can't really prosecute him on, uh, you know, on giving him the bottles because you don't know, like maybe he was just making an art project. That's true. How many bottles did he have? I think it's over ten thousand. Looks like he had over ten thousand. So, but even at ten cents, I, I mean, what, what does he have? A thousand dollars? Yeah, thousand bucks. Thousand bucks. <laughs> what is he paying the lawyer? <laughs> I mean, I feel like this is a cheap lawyer. <laughs> yeah, this is like the uh, Saul Goodman of, or the Jimmy McGill of uh, defense attorneys. All right. Yeah. The, the, should we this? Should we find out how much the defense attorney charges? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure at this point, like now, he's in the hole on this because he's just trying to avoid going to prison for doing this. But yeah, uh, what a what a stupid story this is. All right, so his lawyer's name is Marcus Wilcox. Yes, at Wilcox Law, we understand contacting an attorney can be an intimidating first step, regardless of your situation. You can feel confident knowing that the mission of Wilcox Law is to give your case the attention it deserves. What are you on the explain. website? Yeah, I'm on the I'm on the website. <laughs> I'm trying, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to get the a, rates. <laughs> they have free consultations. No, I think his rate is like uh, 3,000 soda cans an hour. <laughs> Can you pay cash or you only accept soda cans? <laughs> you pay, pay him in cans. Okay, so here are the testimonials on his website. The comment is called, he saved my butt several times. And it's from Thomas. I won't use his last name. Words can't do justice. The man honestly cares and wants to help people. It's not about the almighty dollar. Hard to find uh, it's these about the days. can. <laughs> don't make a mistake secure his services i guarantee you won't be sorry he saved my butt several times mark is so wonderful i thought i was going to be in really big trouble but he analyzed the situation helped me i'm really glad i called him yeah it sounds like he's cheap yeah yeah hi 
I'm Lawyer Marcus, and if you don't want to go to the can, then just show up with your thousands of cans at my office, and we'll <laughs> we'll keep you. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm out, I'm out of bottle deposit puns. Uh, yeah, I feel like the the episode that we thought Soup Nazi would be last week. This could be that's end up this being a one. Disaster. That's this one. Okay. All right. Yeah, oh, you know he has red hair. I didn't think Marcus Wilcox would be a redhead. <laughs> oh. Let's see where did he go to? Let, where did he go to college? I don't know. This is too much. Too much free publicity <laughs> for Marcus Wilcox. He's so happily he's married to Stacy. A couple hundred soda cans for this type of, type of uh, publicity. Okay. All right. You ready to jump into this? I'm ready. University of Detroit Mercy School of Law. Top one third of his class. Very impressive, Marcus. Top one third. That's not that impressive. It's not that good, no. And I don't even know if that's a good law school. That might not even that might be an online law school. I'm not sure. I feel like that's, that's really not very impressive. To be honest. They, are there online law schools? Uh, you'd have to ask Chester. I'm sure he's oh, typing well, an email if, at the moment. <laughs> I'm, well, if I didn't know where he went to law school, I would have assumed he went to an online law school. <laughs> stop, 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 stop. All right. Uh, let's get into our uh, Seinfeld secret code. And uh, we start off with Jerry talking about how Boy, they're really training people to use these cash machines. Uh, yeah, this is, I think, my least favorite stand-up so far. Oh, my it's goodness. Like, well, it's just like the most dated. It's nothing. The stand-up like, was nothing then. It's, he's now, like, sometimes he'll say, like, oh, this is a new thing. And like to us, it's like de rigueur. But this was like never anything. <laughs> the cash machine? Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, we really have to use the cash machine all day. Yes. So... <laughs> but people use ATMs. What are you saying that that the that the novelty of the cash machine was uh, sort of fleeting? It's so fleeting that like I, you can't even remember it. And it's the jo- there's no joke here. It's just yeah, we use cash machines a lot. Like there's nothing to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just am trying to find your objection to this. So it's that you that is cash machine a different thing than the ATM? I don't know. There's I, I have no idea. It, it seems the, like the way the no money There's no joke dispensed. in a stand-up is my problem. <laughs> the, the way the money came out, it seems different. I think it's the same thing. Yeah. Well, we, that, Jerry makes the sound effect like... like that, that's not how the money comes out of an ATM. Yeah, I, I don't even know. I, I feel like we already spent more time. <laughs> we, should go back, we should go back to that defense attorney before we spend more time on this monologue. <laughs> Marcus Wilcox. <laughs> all right so we see susan and george in george's apartment to start off the episode and that uh susan needs to go get some cash george also needs to go get some cash oh boy they're really they uh, need a lot of cash on hand at the costanza house today yeah, i'm impressed george needs cash like that he doesn't just borrow from susan who's much wealthier than him yes well is she still yeah. Oh, we know. First of all, when he asks for a prenup later, like she laughs at him and says, "I make more than you." And she has a rich family. She's got a you know a trust fund. So well, of what's course her she has job? She's rich. She grew up rich. She doesn't have a job right now. Okay. <laughs> well, you said she makes more than him. Well, she says that in a later episode in this season that yeah. she makes more than him. But that might just be dividends on her, you know, from her stocks. Okay. Well, we'll explore that later on down the road. So. George needs to give his ATM card to Susan, and uh, he will not tell her the secret code. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, this is perfectly normal. Yes, this is perfectly normal to give the secret code or to not give the secret code. I mean, code. I, it's tricky because they are engaged, but mm. like they also like barely know each other. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I know it is silly because what is she like? It's one thing like 
I would give all of my bank accounts before I gave my email password out, right? Because what you going to do, steal your money? Yeah. Well, you know, like, I mean, there's no privacy issue here with this. It's more that, you know, she has access to, unless George's password on everything, but, but password on what in 1995? Right. You had, the only passwords you had were like to your bank account and um, there is nothing else. The concept of password barely existed. Like if not for ATMs, we wouldn't even know what it was. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to get into like uh, some like illegal, like prohibition type speakeasy, you needed a password. Right. 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 <laughs> it was like, is it the red dolphin or the blue dolphin? And that's it. <laughs> that's it. And then they invented a cash machine and that changed everything. Now you have how, like, do you track your passwords in your no. head or do you have like a document? The only place that the passwords are... I'm the only person being stopped by the password to get to my stuff. Like, any hacker is getting into anything they want. It seems like uh, that no... That basically hackers or Russia (laughs) could go anywhere. But me, I'm the only... What is that password for that? I've got no... no So you don't have it written down. You just try and remember them? You know, I'd rather, rather not... reveal (laughs) my very rudimentary system (laughs) oh no Uh, guys look very closely next time rob has a video from his apartment it's probably on the bolton board behind there yeah i I wish i was that organized (laughs) i wish um Um, that's that's funny yeah i I said people i'm sure people will ask this i I, i'm sure in the uh, you know in the mailbag people ask this but we may as well get it out of the way okay well you know what's our policy with like telling other people our passwords I mean, it depends to what. I mean, if somebody wanted my, you know, ATM pin code, I mean, I feel like I would, that'd be like very low on the list of things I'm like nervous about protecting. Right. Right. Ultimately, what do you steal your money? Okay. So you write them out of your life. How much money are they going to steal? They're going to take all your money? Right. You'd probably get it back anyway. I mean, you would think so. So. All right. But does anybody know your email password? Uh, No. Would, if your wife's like, hey, I need to get that coupon that's in your email, what's your password? <laughs> I'll email it to you. Oh, so she doesn't get it. No. It did occur to me, actually, now that I think about it, that I, my phone is dead. And it's kind of nice. I haven't gotten a new phone in like, the last two weeks. I just don't have a phone right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like, all I have to do is pick it up from the store, but I'm not interested. Um, <laughs> and so like, when I was in the airport and I was checking my email on my wife's phone, now that I think about it, like, she has access to my email. Yeah. So maybe I should change the password as we talk here. Yeah. Why? I'm really going to do that. I'm going to change my Gmail password. I mean, are you getting any juicy emails? Yeah. You know, we're deciding what time the Seinfeld podcast is. <laughs> we have, first of all, we have a, uh, you know, a, a deep relationship with our listeners where we don't want to, you know, let's say they email and like, hey, keep this anonymous. I don't yeah. want to, uh, right. you know, the podcaster, podcastee. Uh, confidentiality agreement is not to, nothing to sneeze at. Right. And like, I should be so lucky that my wife is like that interested in anything I'm doing. And <laughs> she's going to go through my email or my stuff. Like, like she, like she would be that like, Oh, I wonder if he's up to something like, uh, you know, as long as it is not involving her, she could not care less. Yeah. So the worst thing she could find would be like, uh, I, you know, I, the truth is the, for me, the email wouldn't be a big deal. My, my biggest, like the thing I would want people to see least probably would be search history. Mm-hmm. I think that's way bigger than email. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean that goes without saying. But and t- it's not because I have anything inappropriate in there. Honestly, it's just if someone went through my Google Chrome search history and saw like how many hours a day I was on the computer and like printed it out and showed it to me, uh, you know that like I feel like I would realize like my whole life is is meaningless. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? Like Wait, you don't think know about how that many, already. I do, but like how how many pages for one day? Yeah, you know, like you ever go in like here? I'm going to go in now, and it's going to be like, you know, it's 11:45 now, and you're going to have like every single minute has eight different websites on it, and to mm-hmm. get back to yesterday. You know, you have to scroll down like 400 pages. Mm-hmm. And there's, yeah, here, 1144, 1144, 1144, 1144, 1144, 1144, 1144, ultimately... Like if there was ever like a big, you, you know, like they had the celebrity hacking and they w- went into like a lot of female celebrities' phones, mm-hmm. and like for me, for me, that would just be search history. Like if they could access everyone's search history, yeah. If they posted my search history on the internet, I feel like that would be it. I would have to leave public life. Yeah, I'm sure, everybody would be going through <laughs> and reading every website you've ever been to. Be- no, I just <laughs> disastrous. I mean, not not just. The, I feel like. Yeah, I guess it wouldn't be so bad. It would just be like the sheer amount of time spent on the internet. Did they do Someone it to a lot of people it. or just you? If it was a lot of people, it would be like Misery Loves Company. I'd be okay. If it was just me, it would be embarrassing. But like, I guess I wouldn't be interested in anybody else's, but I don't know. Is that the worst thing someone could do to you? What? Post my internet search history? Or, or would you rather that or your entire email dump? Like all of your email posted on like a site that's searchable. Uh, I, I feel like that... Um I don't know. Because what, what, what happens is you get bad. one email that's like a little racy, and then people jump on that, and it's like, what about the other 100,000 emails that never said anything bad? You know? <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll just start deleting my emails. Yeah, I start deleting. Search by any like bad terms and delete them. <laughs> <laughs> you better, better just start deleting thousands of emails just in case. Just in case uh, is, that a, <laughs> is that kosher? Can I do that, Keeve? Can you delete your emails? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Okay. All right, good. Uh, I, I, that's a hot button issue these days. Well, I mean, if you, are you running for office? <laughs> I'm running a private Gmail server in my garage. I feel no like good? no. I feel like uh, you, you'll be you'll be okay. Like, what are you what are you running for exactly? Then, <laughs> Mister Survivor. <laughs> is, that, do you, is that what you uh, that, is that what you stopped it because people like refuse to give you uh, to give up their email addresses? Like, yes, there's a popularity yes. contest. Why do we need to give you our Gmail password? Yeah. Uh, all right, so uh, let's uh, get back to George and Jerry in Monks, and George saying, "No way, no how will I give Susan the code?" Um, yeah, I mean, I think ultimately, like Susan, kind of, ha- we don't see much of Susan again, but like Susan handles it pretty calmly. Like any fights they have are mentioned but shown off screen. But yeah. this is like a breakup type issue for a lot of people. I think really the, the ATM pin code because it's a trust thing. Yeah, I do think it's probably more about the, hey, give me your code. Uh, no, why? What's wrong with me? I think that that's probably where it comes down to, more so than the code itself. And it's funny because when Susan says later, like, uh, you know, what don't you have? And he talks about uh, her cycles. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of better information George could have gotten out of Susan than that. <laughs> you think? Like, if she's really this, you know, fabulously wealthy person that we find out after she dies next season. 
Yeah. That, you know, in the beginning of that season when they have the foundation, you're like, oh, they're really wealthy, the Rosses. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, get some financial information. Like, how much money do you have in the bank? You know, what that sort of thing. Yeah. That That's, would be more ideal. Yeah, much more practical then. Because George just doesn't even realize he's marrying Rich. Yeah. So, George says, on the back of the card, it says, for your protection, do not give your secret code to anyone. And Jerry says to him, so you're taking advice now from Chemical Bank? <laughs> I do. Th- like, th- were they a sponsor? Like, how'd they get, how'd they get that mention? Over no, City I Bank? just think, well, I think that that might have been where Nano was banking. Yeah, also. Nano was banking at Chemical Bank. That may have been <laughs> cleared. They, they asked Chemical, do you mind if we use you? <laughs> yeah. Could you think of a less inviting bank name than Chemical Bank? No. I mean, it almost seems like... <laughs> I mean, who is doing the branding then? I guess maybe it came up at a point where they're like, oh, chemicals are great. Yeah, no, it, it's a terrible name. I feel like I'm already out. Like, there's no way I'd bank there. Even if they had, like, free everything, we give you back money at the end of the month. We double whatever you have in there. I'm not using Chemical Bank. Come on in and give us all your money. Uh, uh, I'm a little on the fence about this. What, what's the name of this bank? It's uh, Chemical Bank. <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. Check, please. Uh, yeah, not a great name. Uh, does this still exist? I doubt it. I, I'm pretty sure Chemical Bank is uh, is long gone. Gone the way of Leap and Larry. Was it the subprime mortgages that got Chemical Bank? I'm not sure. I'm not sure if uh, Chemical Bank was around much past uh, 1995. Oh, good call. 96. Yeah. <laughs> wow, what a good call by you. 20, and by the way, that's a good guess, especially when you consider it started in 1824. Yes. <laughs> Again, Chemical Bank probably, you know, was like uh, like 18 or like, oh, that's cutting edge chemicals. Uh, tell me more about that. And uh, I've got <laughs> I've got insects eating all my crops. I want to tell me more about these chemicals. Yeah, but it didn't die. I don't think I think it got bought out by uh, Chase. Yeah. OK, but either Wait, way, it chemical happen. acquired Chase <laughs> Wait, <laughs> chemicals bigger than Chase. How's that possible? OK, we're on Wikipedia. In 1996, chemical acquired. Chase Manhattan Corporation in a ver- merger valued at $10 billion to create the largest financial institution in the U.S. Although Chemical was the acquiring company and the nominal survivor, the merged bank adopted the Chase name, which was considered to be better known, particularly internationally. And also a much better name, Chase Bank, than Right, Chemical so that's bank. fascinating. So Chemical Bank was a b- acquired Chase, but they, the smartest thing they ever did <laughs> was, was rename it Chase. Yes. Well, and the... The fact that it started in 1824, yeah. actually, that makes sense. That you know, chemical might have been a cool name in 1824. Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going on there. Yeah, that's that's really smart. So it's like, okay, uh, we're the bigger bank here, but we have a terrible name. Let's buy this bank with a better name, and then let's just name it <laughs> the smaller bank's name. How about that? Uh, it, I mean, I wonder if that's why they did it. Like, oh, nobody wants to use our bank anymore because our name stinks. So let's <laughs> let's like sneakily buy another bank and just. Like ten ten billion dollars says name Chase is worth it not to be called Chemical. Yeah. Do you think that they tried to like uh, have like some meetings of like uh, what if we called it like uh, Kemba? <laughs> yeah. If we try and merge the names. <laughs> yeah, like Wamu. <laughs> it's not a bad idea, but um, it may have been a deal breaker for the Chase people. All right. So George is getting into why does everything have to be about us just because we're getting married? Can't there be some things that are just for me? Is that so selfish? Uh, and Jerry, again, has a good line. Actually, that's the definition of selfish. Uh, yeah, listen, I understand the sentiment for sure. Yeah. I mean... It's like you need a little privacy. You need privacy. I, I think that that is uh, really... You know, th- that I 
don't like to have a lot of things separate from my wife. I, I feel like I lose my own identity. A lot of things separate. A lot of things separate. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there's probably only a few things that I even want together. And even those are seem like, you know, days gone by. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we find out that Jerry's password is Jorel. Uh, and George, I think, has to do a little bit of exposition for the people at home. Like, oh, Superman's father on Krypton. Yeah, that's clearly, um, you know, just explaining it to dumb people like me who've never seen Superman. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're getting more into, uh, come on, George, tell me the password. Sing it, sister. He doesn't want to, uh, even if Jerry's life depends on it. Uh, Which is, like, to me, I would have assumed before this that George would happily tell Jerry his password, like, of all people. Yeah, because we've established that George can't keep a secret, but somehow this is, like, the one area in his life where he has no problem holding back. Right, he's bad at secret keeping, but only for other people's secrets. Yeah. So we also get the first time in this episode that Jerry's foot falls asleep. He seems to have an issue only in this episode of crossing his legs and then his foot falls asleep. Um, yeah, you know, we don't we don't really get a lot of exposition on this. This I, I definitely empathize with this problem because it happens to me uh, constantly on, when I would go on the LIRR every day. Yeah, so your foot would asleep. fall asleep every it's day. It's going to happen to me later when I go on the LIRR. Yeah, it happens I sit to me in right the same now. spot. Yeah, actually, I don't know if this is like a fat thing, but recently I've been like sleeping on like a body part. Like la- I fell asleep on like one arm last night mm-hmm. and I woke up and like the arm, my like shoulder was asleep for like 20 minutes when I woke up. Yes. So I don't know if this is just me, if it's like a new thing or, or mm. what, if it's like old age. Like for a while after yeah, you woke like up? Like a really long time. And I had just read uh, or heard some story about like a guy who like got drunk and like fell asleep on his hand for like 12 hours and like they amputated his hand oh my god <laughs> so this is like now every morning i wake up and i'm already like hypochondriac like it's already you know i'm like oh no my shoulder's gone right i don't know if they would amputate my shoulder i'm not sure how that would work maybe it just wouldn't work anymore yeah wow um that's that's uh pretty nuts i that i feel like recently i've woken up and i had like a like my arm is is like asleep and i feel like then i sort of like still like felt like it didn't come all the way back it's still not back? Well, no, it, it, I feel like it's back now, but I feel like that there were sort of some days where it's like, oh, boy, this still feels like kind of tingly, like hours after I woke up. Yeah, good thing neither of us toil in the fields, you know? We, we barely need our arms. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Uh, then here comes Fred Stoller, and he's in the cafe, and uh, we get so much of this on Seinfeld, like, oh, here's this person that we haven't seen since this time. Uh, right, and as the as the show goes on, and we've seen more of the crew, it's like a little weirder because, like, okay, we've been with you for six years. We know that you never see this guy because mm-hmm. you never see him off camera. We we would know about it. Nothing like that happens off camera. That's right. So here's Fred Stoller, and he says to Elaine, "Hey, uh, nice to meet you." As uh, she's also walking in at this point in the episode, and she corrects him and says, "No, we met at Katie Ash's party." But they go to so many parties that we don't see also. That, yeah, we talk about how we see everything on, but I guess, I guess like weekend parties are not included in the deal. Like they're allowed to go to weekend parties when they're not. That they all get invited to. Right. Magically, all four of them go. Or like maybe two of them get invited and the other two are plus ones. Yes. And so Elaine is uh, very upset about this. And actually, that, that she doesn't correct him. She says to Jerry that this is weird, that I've met him before and he said, nice to meet you. Yeah. She's just way too hung up by this also. Way too hung up by this. Keeve, 
this happened to me one time and it did not go well. Uh, yeah, you told me, I think you mentioned the story yeah. in a much earlier podcast. Yeah, I think so. That, uh, but, but basically I, that I had, there, I had seen somebody, uh, who, uh, Rob with two B's from Survivor Thailand and, I saw him at the Survivor 10-year anniversary party, and I said to him, like, oh, hey, Rob, it's really nice to meet you. And then he just, like, flew off the handle. I said, what do you, like, you know, what do you mean nice to meet me? I've met you before. Uh, and then he was like, I should spit in your face right now for, for saying it. Like, he was just, like, completely set off then the rest of the night. And then, like... uh you know, threatened to, uh, he, he threatened like physical violence towards wow. me also like at a, a different point over something else that night. I'm sure it was like a, a reasonable thing also to threaten violence yes. over. <laughs> yes. I would never do that. Like I would never, like if my mom came up to me and was like, Hey, nice to meet you. I'm Melissa. I would not correct her. Like who cares? Right. Who cares is, is right. You know, but you know, I, I find that it's easier and better to say nice to see you. I think that that is the better thing to say. I guess, but sometimes you're pretty confident that you, you know, that you've never met the person before. If you're a hundred, like what if they're a baby? Yeah, if you're hundo, then I guess you could say nice to meet you. But I think if there's any doubt, you should say nice to see you. Um, all right, that's good life advice. <laughs> it's good life advice. So Elaine comes up and catches uh, him on the street. Uh, now he is Fred Stoller. He's also named Fred here. Is he playing himself? Wheels. Uh, it, he's not. I don't know if he's playing a character named Fred Stoller, but I feel like he's so nerdy he can only play a nerd, and they just happen to name him Fred. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. And so he corrects Elaine about how uh, we've met before. Now, is he faking it through this whole episode? About like, is he negging her that he is acting as though he has no recollection of who she is, but then was really just faking it so that he could get the date with her? I think they want you to sort of think that, but no, I think he's just ultimately such a big nerd. Like he, you know, he's, he's not like a genius that literally remembers everything. So he has these gaps, but I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's nagging her. I think that he, I think he just legitimately is so inexperienced with women. That's like the one thing that he like doesn't remember, or he's so nervous around it that he can't even fathom like ever having spoken to a woman. Was Seinfeld just ahead of the game with this idea of if you really want to impress somebody, insult them? I mean, I don't know. It's never worked for me anyway. Like I've been, I've been trying <laughs> no. for 12 years, and it just gets me deeper in a hole with my wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, that she, Elaine can you know remember verbatim the conversation she had with him at the party about, how, hey, remember I told you about my uncle who worked in the book depository building with Lee Harvey Oswald? Everything, everything's Kennedy related with Elaine. Yeah, uh, but he remembers everything, including the tic tac toe that was etched into the door at this party. I mean, and somebody in their house had like a tic tac toe game etched into their door. What, what sort of like uh, tenement are they living in? Yeah, that sounds like a really lame party, or like they have a lot of kids living there. Maybe I don't know. Or is that like some sort of like a public bathroom or something like that? Yeah, it's a little strange. A little strange. All right. Uh, so we see Jerry on the phone, and Jerry apparently is going to start doing some TV commercials for Leap and Larry. Who is on the other end of this phone conversation? It's Leap and Larry, he th- I think he says. Yeah. So Leap and Larry calls Jerry directly. There's no agent, no middle person. Um, I think Leap and Larry, uh, yeah, I mean, the agent's sort of out of the picture, right? Mom from that 70s show. 
mm-hmm. is is uh, is on you know they're on bad terms right now because of how badly she messed up the airplane stuff. It just seems so weird that it, here is a store proprietor leaping Larry it deals directly with the talent. On right, but he's also a customer, maybe. Um, uh, maybe. Okay, maybe. But there's no commercial director. There's no advertising agent. Oh, you mean why no are the two of Pete White? There's no agent. It's just like, what, what year is this that this is how a deal gets made? And, and even when they go to the store, it's just the two of them going over the script together <laughs> with, no, with no one from the actual, like, uh, you know, commercial agency like, or ad agency. Like or anything with. Jerry would do of this sort of like public access commercial that Leap and Larry is about to shoot? I mean, why not? Why, like if you're Jerry, it's not like he has a lot of endorsement deals. It's free money. It's a it's a local business. He likes the guy. Uh, and maybe from, from Leap and Larry's perspective, he does everything in-house. You know, he's, he thinks he's the talent, so he can write the commercial and maybe they just pay some camera guy to come in and film it. I guess so. I mean, Jerry is so particular about every little thing that he says. I can't imagine that he's going to just like, uh, you know, smile and say Leap and Larry's copy for something that's going to be broadcast around the city. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I don't. I, like, yeah, I mean, if you're Jerry, right, there's a risk of like these really bad commercials. And then you're like on right. You're a hack who's on TV in New York City all the time. Right. Yeah. So. Uh, it seems weird that Jerry would just like sight unseen be ready to jump on with Leap and Larry. Just uh, look before you leap, Jerry, into this one. Uh, yeah, that's a better commercial than they were coming up with. <laughs> Probably. All right. So Kramer has an emergency scanner so that he can listen to what the police and firefighters are doing. Keeve, did you ever have something like this? No, I mean, I was always like in a car with a guy and, and it's someone who sort of thinks that they're like... Um I don't know, like what, like you're the. It's generally the people who have them are generally like the last people who would need them in a certain mm-hmm. way. Like you're not committing any crimes. You're just like keeping the. Well, I'm also thinking of two different things. When I was a kid, I remember being in a car with like they'd have the police detection. So like if you were speeding or something, you knew that there was a cop around. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, the radar detector. The radar detector. See, yeah. that's what I like. I remember seeing a lot when I was a kid. Uh, like a couple of people, I I would like be in a car with them. They would have it, but. Yeah, this I no. This is I, I don't get the intri- you know, like the appeal of, but definitely on the internet, there's people who like listen to this stuff. Yeah, I think there's also like apps that you can get that do this stuff. And I said like, oh, okay, let me try this one time. And I listened to it for like ten seconds. I was like, oh, this is really boring. There's people who are into it, and also anytime there's some sort of like uh, major tragedy or anything, then people will listen. Like during the Boston Marathon, people were very into listening to the police scanners. I remember. Yeah. Well. Um, Still no appeal there for me in terms of, uh, you know, eavesdropping. Uh, like, let, let's uh, let the people who are the first responders, like, do their job. Yeah, it's a little it's a little weird. Yeah. Anyway, so we find out that Kramer really wanted to be a person who drove the fire truck when, from when he was a kid. That was his dream. And with something like this, I wish, you know, it's hard to play the long game on a sitcom, but I wish it was like something that had come up in previous episodes and that pays off, comes to fruition in this episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, it's, it's like we find out, we find out like that he's super into the fireman stuff and then two minutes later he's driving the fire truck. Yeah. Uh, Kramer ends up saying that if he had to do it all over again, he'd give it all up to be a fireman. Now, Jerry just sort of does not even really mention that. Like, uh, I thought you would say like, give what up? What, what is it that you would, that you would give up to have this dream of being a firefighter. But Kramer would give it all up if he could just uh, do it over again. Yeah, and Jerry kind of rags on the firefighter 
like the the whole dream. He's like, oh yeah, you want to be like a poorly paid civil servant. Yeah, he says, yeah, those civil servants who risk their lives really got it made. It's a good thing that Jerry's not running for an office uh, at this point. He said that seems like that that would be a, a bad call for him. I mean, he means it as a compliment. Like it's not this like uh, fa- you know like fun job that you think it is it's a very hard job and they don't make a lot of money which i don't think any firefighters would disagree with Mm -hmm. yeah did you have the like you grew up in the home of a of a cop right Did you have any like firefighter versus cop it's not like i was like adopted by like uh, some police officer (laughs) that found me on the street yes you were one of those basket babies yes we're so common yes and the 70s and then uh uh, like, was there any like police versus firefighter stuff? Did you grow up like hearing like, ah, those firefighters, they're not so tough. Uh, I think there's a little bit of a, uh, of a rivalry. I think that the, uh, New York's finest and the New York's bravest. I think that they, uh, both, both sides, uh, think they're the best. Do you ever go to any of those like baseball or hockey games? Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I, Are those I, real or is that just from Rescue Me? Because no, I'm Rescue think, Me. No, that's I, like I, I think that's real. They they have that. You know, it's not like you know. I don't think that the police and the firefighters are like brawling like uh you know uh, in the alley somewhere like having a fight. Well, uh, that's a, they, they they don't let Dennis Leary play for that reason, <laughs> right? But I think there is a little bit of a rivalry over you know who's uh you know whose job is harder and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Um, no, but I think that there's a, a little bit of a rivalry, and they do play some intramural games against each other. You think there's any ringers? Um, I'm sure it's happened before. You know, like if I was like the police commissioner, I would like, uh, you know, I would add a couple, you know, ring like okay, we you know we got two extra spots. Let's uh, make uh, you know David Wright's not doing anything. Let's make him an honorary cop for the next few months. <laughs> Although I don't know Is if he would be such Shaq a ringer at this became point. Like a sheriff in uh, totally, Florida. yeah. <laughs> Like the floor, that basketball team destroys the other we need team. Shaq on our pickup basketball team. So let's go ahead and give him a sheriff's badge. The when I was in uh, in summer camp when I was a kid, like the uh, the the Jewish summer camps in the area ha- would have like a basketball league, and so like one camp one summer they had like let's say they had you know like f- like free like bench warmer NBA players. You can get them to come to your camp and give a clinic for like a reasonable amount of money. Probably, you know, mm-hmm. you can't afford to get like an all star. But you could get, you know, the, the 14th guy in the Knicks will come if you pay him a couple thousand right. dollars you and you send Gino the car Smith for him. Smith to agree to come to your uh, camp in your town. Oh, no question. I mean, he makes a decent amount of money, especially back then. These guys were making like low six figures. Now everybody in the NBA basically makes at least a million. But you can still get these guys to come. So mm-hmm. like one of these camps got like four like D1 players as ringers. They could destroy all the other like Jewish camps that had like five foot eight rabbis like playing center. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are we anti ringer. Well, the, then I think every camp just got ringers, and then it was like there was no actual like people working the camp on the teams. Probably it was just like a bunch of like D one college players who had nothing to do in the summer. Like mm-hmm. it didn't actually work in the camps. Probably. Yeah. So Elaine is uh, still upset about Fred, who does not recognize her or remember her, and uh, Jerry says that's surprising because he doesn't meet that many women. Oh, think he meets so think he meets so few women that it's it's almost like uh, you know he, he he's not going to remember this because it's like it's above him he can't he, he, this is like an out of body experience. All right, and Elaine ends up telling Jerry that he is invited to come to dinner with her and Peterman. So really, when since the beginning of this season, when Elaine started working at the Peterman catalog, and I don't even think we saw him in the premiere. Is this the per, the first Peterman sighting in season seven proper? Um, I think we had once already. 
Okay, maybe maybe a little sure. bit, but this is the first storyline. It's definitely yeah, it's definitely the the first Peterman centric episode of season seven. Okay, all right, so he has to uh, have a dinner with Elaine, and Jerry is now uh, coming along for the ride. Yeah, but why? Like this is so long. Jerry's not a come with guy. This sounds so unappealing. He's never met Peterman before, Jerry. But like, why would he want to go on this you know dinner date with Elaine? Elaine begs Jerry, please, please, please. I can't sit with him. He tells these stories. It's going to be awful. Yeah, it's going to be awful. That's not a selling point. <laughs> all right. Well, he's a nice enough guy that he says, all right, fine. I'll, I'll go along with you. Like, maybe he thinks that Peterman's paying, but that's not usually like a big deal for Jerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's just being a come with guy. Yeah, but George is the come with guy. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. In this episode, it's Jerry. Right, I'm not sure it's canon, but I'll, uh, I guess we'll move along. All right. So George and Susan are back at George's apartment fighting over the secret code. As George is talking with Susan, he is stirring the Bosco into uh, the milk, making some uh, delicious chocolate milk, Keeve. Uh, yeah, sounds repulsive. <laughs> now, have we ever seen George drink a chocolate milk before in no. the history of sci-fi? I, to I, me, I don't think so. To me, I think that this is the bigger. I mean, you talk about you wanted to see Kramer talk about fire trucks. Like, I, I don't think have we ever seen. Yeah, but I buy George, I, I buy George as a chocolate milk drinker, even if we haven't seen it before. Okay, all right. Well, he is working on that Bosco. Do they still make Bosco? Yes. Yes. Okay. Good. And so uh, that Susan says, "I don't keep secrets from you." And George throws out, as we mentioned, uh, "Well, I don't know anything about your cycles." Yeah, what a weird thing to say. Yeah, <laughs> it is a weird thing to say. And you, you know, had a chance to like, learn something about her that you don't know. And this is what you're asking for. Yeah. So one time, Keeve. Oh, boy. I decided, uh, you know, I was going to get the, the app. And I wanted to say, okay, well, here's what I'm going to do. I think I, I just want to talk to the audience for a second here. Yeah. I think Rob is emboldened by last week's episode, and now he knows that nothing will ever get back to his wife. All right, keep going. <laughs> what, what did I talk about last week? What, oh, nothing. I... No, 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 no. Keep going. You didn't say anything. <laughs> was, there any, was there something in particular that I, that I talked about last week? Nope. Nothing. Okay. Nothing. You're like, you're like, uh, you're like Fred Stoller. <laughs> I don't remember and, that conversation. I remember less and less. And so I say, okay, well, let me get on this uh, app, and then so I will. I'm I'm gonna have a, a you know track what's going on with uh with my lovely wife's uh, cycling. This I, okay. So far, the story is I'd say it's like a nine and a half on the bizarre scale, but it could get <laughs> no, weirder. I'm sure. Well, uh, that I say okay. Well, it's sort of like you know if uh, you know I watch the weather report, and so I just like you know it's like oh okay, well you know don't go outside today. It's going to be very stormy. Oh, okay. Got it. Got it. I got uh, don't it. Go, so this is you for know. your own benefit. This for, for my benefit. benefit. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I don't, uh, because I felt like, okay, well, like, because, you know, it would always be a blind side to me of like, uh, you know, I'd be like, uh, like, you know, just getting yelled at. And I, I like, I'm like, what did I, what did I even do? And then I would find out like days later, like what the situation is. But you know what? It was, it, it was so unreliable that, uh, that, that somehow, you know. Uh, the app or her behavior? <laughs> Both. <laughs> okay. Uh, it, it was like, you know, there was like, um, <laughs> the, there, was no, there was no correlation Got it. between what the app was telling me, and it would tell you, like, hey, watch out. <laughs> like, <laughs> is, that what it, is, it, is this an app for bros? I'm not like, sure who <laughs> it was for. Uh, okay. I, I really don't know who it was for. Uh, 
but you know, it was like you know that basically like uh, most that it was there was not a correlation that I was finding between okay. uh, so you would not negative recommend. feelings towards me and the app. Well, you was, there was just no break in the action. You know that there were positive feelings for like you know most of the month that you could. Tell. Yeah, no, I couldn't find the the week of the month. Like, hey, like you are going to be uh, very much. Uh, this I mean, this is like also like pre kids. Like every like you know everything now comes down to like hey. Like, uh, like I'm tired. I have kids. Like, uh, you know, this is, you know, pr- before even any of that. Um, okay. I don't even have anything to say. I'm sort of blown away here. So, yeah. <laughs> I, th- yeah. So in terms of knowing what was, what was going on, I found like, uh, even having that information via the app, um, was, uh, not super insightful. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, you know that that's it, you try to cheat on a test, but you don't even have you know everyone gets a different test. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like there was a kid. We used to have something called like uh, I'm trying to think of like the Hebrew translate the English translation for it, but like there in my college there were a lot of older teachers that like my dad who went to the same college like also had let's mm. say, and they were famous for giving the same like multiple choice tests for like 30 years to the point where there was a website with like hundreds of these tests on them, and so if you took this class, you would know. That you could just take, you know, you just take the test, and even if you, you you take the class, and if you don't know anything, it's just like A, B, C, 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 you know, you just memorize it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. in one of these classes, a chemistry class, a kid, uh, like we kind of all knew, but this kid never showed up during the year. Like he had been, the teacher had been warned by the administration, like, hey, we're cleaning up, and you can't give the same test. You have to give a new test. So like we all had to study, but this kid who never came to class didn't know, so he filled out the test with the old answers. Uh-oh. So, like, he was busted for, like, not only did he get, like, you know, let's Soaking say 25%, gun. but yeah. he was busted, like, give you know, actively trying to cheat and then, like, failing at it. Like, yeah. you can't, if you get all the right answers and he gives the right test, you can't be busted because he's not going to, like, you're, there's no way to prove you didn't just get them right on your own. But he gave, you know, he did the wrong thing. <laughs> so, like, I forget what he had. Maybe he failed the class or something. Right. But anyway, so, you're, you're getting the wrong, uh, the wrong answers to the test, basically, there. Uh... Yeah, you got 100 on last year's uh, test. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so George uh, ends this conversation with Susan and says, uh, we're out of Bosco. Um, I don't, like, that's, I don't, that's not even like a secret. I don't know why that was the second thing also. Which thing? Like when she said, like, what, what don't we discuss? And he says, your cycles and we're out of Bosco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they're related. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to Jerry and Leap and Larry and uh, Leap and Larry and Jerry they start talking about this and Leap and Larry says you know I've always liked your comedy you don't take cheap shots yeah, that's such a, like, such a weird compliment right right I mean he does take cheap shots but it's mostly at airlines right I mean who is the comedian that takes cheap shots who's a cheap shot comedian that's a good question. <laughs> that I don't know. Uh, and Leaf and Larry says you maybe know like I, Jeff Ross. He takes a lot of cheap shots. Mm, I don't know if that's necessarily cheap shots. I think the roast thing is like more of what Leap and Larry's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Maybe the that's, old school like guys who would be at the like the Friars Club. Those guys were like 95. Now I feel like they're maybe they're cheap shot comedians. Well, I, yeah, I don't know, or like. Is it somebody like a Kathy Griffin who's like might be like gossiping like uh, let me oh let me tell you about this celebrity that I met is that is that yeah a she's cheap a shot? cheap shot artist and, and she's been on the show so I feel like that's a direct shot of Kathy Griffin <laughs> is that what it is yes <laughs> like it's not like that oh I I like you because you don't do hack material you don't take cheap shots at people 
Right. It's a very specific and like bizarre reason to like a comedian. <laughs> All right. So uh, Leapin' Larry says, hey, uh, you know, I lost my leg in the boating accident. I was so depressed about the prosthetic that I was going to give up the business, but now I'm rejuvenated. Let me show you around the store. I mean, this is a really crazy story. Well, why? Because he's going to do a commercial with Jerry? Like, why does he need to be seen around the store? He says, when I lost my leg in the boating accident, I got so depressed about this damn prosthetic, I thought I was going to have to give up the business. But now I'm rejuvenated. Let me show you around the store. Well, he just means in general. Like, he, you know, he, it was bad. But now business is good. Things are thri- you know, thriving. It's a year before the store is going to close. And, uh, a day before the store is going to close. Well, yeah. Well, he doesn't know that. <laughs> but you know, th- like right now, it's the peak of like small business. And Give me the bio on Leap and Larry. So Leap and Larry opens the store when? I feel like this has been in the... Fa- well, the problem is his name is Larry. Yes. So unless it's a Horace and Pete situation, where, like there's always been a Horace and a Pete. Mm-hmm. I, I, is Leap and Larry's dad's name Larry? I don't think no, so. No, okay. So Leap and Larry, he started the business, what? Let's say 35 years ago. 35 years ago, okay. Mm-hmm. So 1960. 1960, Leap and Larry opens the doors. What year does Leap and Larry lose his leg in the boating incident? Now, is this like a boat in Vietnam? Or he would have said, I lost it in Nam, right? Yeah, I don't think that you'd have a boating accident in Vietnam. Well, there was a Navy. There, yeah, but I don't think you had boating accidents. I think it's either like... Well, there was hey, no accident. You think the Navy was like perfect? There was no accidents in I Nam? I mean, I guess, uh, but I think that you would call it like some sort of like friendly fire or some sort of like... I think right, he would have said I lost it in Nam. He wouldn't have right, said I lost it in a boating right. accident. This made it sound like this is like a leisure trip. Yeah, like it's a like the Savio Hita type. Exactly. Thing. Yeah. 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 R.I.P. Uh, uh, Steve Olin. I think that um, the, the I think the seventies. Uh, there's a lot of leisure going on in like the late seventies. Okay. All right. So, and why is he rejuvenated now? Because the store is making him a lot of money. Yeah, Windows ninety five computing is happening, and like uh, lots of people are coming in to buy uh, you know Windows PCs. Yeah, you know, he's got a lot of those AOL discs lying around that people can come. They're like a loss leader. And also, if, if you're Leaping Larry, like, he, if he's going to TV commercials that he can afford a celebrity for, you'd assume the store is doing well. Like, is mm-hmm. it possible there's more than one store? Yeah. yeah I mean, you would think so. Uh, or is this like maybe- the fake version of B&H, but it's like one store, but it's so big? Yeah, I think it's one store because he seems like he's going to be ruined by the fire in this store. Right, but it's still, it's, maybe it's like a B&H type thing where he's got one huge store. One huge store. All right, so let's talk about this horrible employee that Leap and Larry has. So when Jerry's foot falls asleep and that Jerry starts limping, the, uh, here's this woman who's like, oh my God, that's such a great impression of Leap and Larry. Yeah, and it, it, there's really no reason she's in the scene other than to let you know that, like to reinforce the fact that Jerry's impersonating Leap and Larry. Like, if she doesn't say anything, does the scene still work? Like, Jerry's hopping around, Leap and Larry comes in and gives him a look of disgust. Mm-hmm. Well, did Leap and Larry hear what she said? Yeah, I think she must have. I think Leap and Larry hears it as he's walking in. I yeah. think that's what happens. Yes. Uh, so, that here comes Leap and Larry. And again, it's one of these things where Jerry is like, like, oh no, my, my foot fell asleep. Like, he's just like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. Right, but that's a sitcom thing where you can't explain yourself out of a situation right away. That's like a basic sitcom rule. And also, Leap and Larry's so offended, he doesn't want to speak to Jerry and even hear his explanation. Mm -hmm. He's not going to believe it in the moment. Is there any physical evidence where if you are saying that an appendage has fallen asleep, 
Is it really your word against another person? Is there any sort of like visual signs that you can like uh, like like if your arm is asleep? I don't think so. I don't think you can discoloration. Tell. <laughs> I'm not sure. We'd have to get a doctor here, to, Doctor Thomas, to let us know. But I think like the problem also like anytime I fall asleep and I'm in public, my not not I fall asleep, my foot falls asleep or something. Yeah, I'm always cognizant of like how crazy I look when I'm trying to like swing my foot around. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you have to announce like, oh, my foot's asleep because otherwise you're just like walking around in a circle like a buffoon, you know, trying to get your you know, like swing your foot in the air, trying to get it to wake up. Um, and but it's the weirdest looking thing in the world. And there, right. As you say, there's no way for someone else to know. So you almost okay. have to announce it. All right. Uh, so uh, then, you know, the reason Larry, like Jerry, was because he doesn't take cheap shots. Now here he is taking a cheap shot. Uh, Jerry is back home and Kramer is incensed about this. Yeah, Kramer must go to Leap and Larry. It's like, I don't know what he's getting every day, but he must go there as like part of his or daily scanners, routine. scanners, looking at the hot tubs. Yeah, there's a lot of things that Kramer probably needs. They sell hot tubs at Leap and Larry's? <laughs> I don't know. Do you get a, can you get a hot tub at an electronics store? Probably. That's probably mm, a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, I think Kr- Kramer's general routine is monks, uh, Leap and Larry's. <laughs> Go to uh, a you know a firefighter station and tell them uh, you know give them some directions. Yeah, uh, so he tries to tell Kramer no, his foot fell asleep. And uh, Jerry though, there seems to be a little animosity towards Leapin' Larry. He says, you know, the guy has one leg and he still calls himself Leapin' Larry. You'd think he'd have a sense of humor about it. Yeah, I don't know why Jerry's so upset. Like Jerry should be in apologetic mode, not ripping on Leapin' Larry. Yeah, another yeah, cheap, cheap shot. shot. Yeah, <laughs> he's a cheap yeah. shot artist at this point. Right. Uh, so Kramer says that, well, you just joked yourself right out of that commercial, didn't you, Munjumba? Yeah, I do. He comes up with these names later in the series like that. Yeah. Is Munjumba just a made up word? Or yeah, is it's that a Kramer a- word. No, it's a Kramer word, I think. So if we Google Munjumba, it would only show results uh, pertaining to Seinfeld? Yeah, well, we wouldn't be spelling it right to start. Yeah. But yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, that I looked up uh, Minjumba and uh, it says uh, the number one result is Kramer the- language, Seinfeld yes. blog discussion. Yes. <laughs> so, there you go. All right. So, George ends up coming up and uh, that we see on the news that the building that had the fire burnt down because the firefighters took too long to get there as uh, Kramer was worried about because Kramer knows all these shortcuts. Yeah, Kramer, great sense of direction. Yes, that he, if he only works for the fire department, he could get them to the fires quicker. Um, yes, which apparently is not just Kramer. Like, it's a thing. Mm-hmm. And Kramer says, hey, remember that time I got us to Yankee Stadium in rush hour in 15 minutes? Wheels, is that possible? Um, I mean, it, it's like, it's so weird because in the city, like, there are so few options. Like, yeah, you could take the streets. Um, but like, you know, they make it seem like there's dozens of options in the, in, in, uh, the city to take. Mm-hmm. Um, is it possible to get, where is it, Upper West Side to Yankee Stadium in 15 minutes? Yeah. You'd have to ask Chester. I'm, I, I'm so out of the picture. I, I don't even know. In rush and hour. How, how often do I go to Yankee Stadium? Literally never. So I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, George gets told, hey, we're going to dinner with Peterman. We're going to the Chinese place. Um, yeah, George has also never met Peterman before, uh, and he's very scared to meet Peterman. Yeah, he wouldn't have gone if Jerry told him that Peterman was going. And Jerry says, yeah, that's why I didn't tell you. Yeah, he doesn't like being on the whole time. <laughs> yeah, and he says, trust me, you're off. So uh, we're going to get to the uh, the Chinese place, but is is this the same Chinese restaurant as in the Chinese restaurant? 
I'm not sure. I don't. I don't think it's set? supposed to be. It, yeah. I don't, I, I'm not. Sh- I would have to look again. Again, we. You know, we see it from a different angle, obviously, in the Chinese restaurant. We're generally on the non, you know, restaurant side of the of the restaurant. Okay. Like with, yeah. uh, I don't think so. Okay, we don't see the same maitre d' or anything like that, but they call it no. the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, does, it, does they say the name of it at any point? No, they say, oh, the Chinese place. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I think, okay. uh, I think it's just a regular place. All right, so Elaine runs into Fred Stoller on the street. And uh, that she says, uh, like, hey, and he doesn't recognize her or remember her again. And he says that, like, hey, I'm depressed. I got this shirt. The button fell off and I feel like I'll never fix it. I need vitamins. I feel depleted. Um, yeah, yeah. First of all, he like it's so depressing watching Fred Stoller talk. Like I could see how he got the role. They definitely didn't write it for him because I've heard him talk about auditioning for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but. You know, he is a natural for, like, the nebbishiest character we've seen on the show. Yeah. So, he has to audition for things, even though he's a writer on the show? No, because he's not a writer on the show anymore. He was one season and bust, uh, you know, and didn't have a great experience on the show, probably because he's, you know, he has trouble dealing well with others, I think. So, that he came back... so awkward that he was a writer in season six, and then he, did he quit, or they didn't bring him back? No, they didn't bring him back, like a lot of, a lot of the writers from the early they seasons. They didn't bring him back, and then... He has to audition to be an actor on the show that yep. he got fired from working yep. at? Yep. He, be- he became an actor, and he auditioned, and he got the gig. Oh, my God. Yeah, I believe the story is told uh, in detail in the Seinfeldia, the, the new Seinfeld book. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so then <laughs> here he is. Elaine says that she never takes vitamins, and he says, oh... Uh, Because they make you nauseous, right? And Elaine's like, oh, you remembered. And then he asks her, do you want to have dinner tonight? And so it's on. The date is on. And does this mean that he did remember all these things about her? Or he just remembers that one? It's weird because there's no consistency, right? Like, I think he's just remembering it, but it's just showing that he's a flake, maybe? Whatever they're trying to get, they're not being clear with here, honestly. He started this conversation. He didn't even know who she was. And then by the end of this conversation... He remembers that she doesn't take vitamins because they make her nauseous. Right. Now he's remembering, oh, you're the vitamins lady. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So we go to the Chinese restaurant and Jerry and George are talking about these different scenarios where would George give the ATM pin code if this happened? So if George was locked up in prison and Jerry had his wallet and the only way that the guards would give it to him was to give the ATM code, George would... Call the embassy. Yeah, I mean, he's so, like, who cares, George? You're really a little too obsessed with this. Yes. Yeah, he, uh, under no circumstances is he giving away this, um, this code to anybody. All right, so here comes Peterman. He shows up and says uh, that, hey, uh, sorry to say, Elaine called. She will not be joining us, but don't worry. It'll just be the three bulls. Uh, yeah, that's really uh, an appetizing <laughs> invitation. Yeah. So I was saying in my notes, like, what did Elaine call? Where did Elaine call him? But we do see that later on in the episode, uh, Jay Peterman does have a car phone. Um, yeah, he has a car phone, which is like a, a very typical mid-90s symbol of someone who's wealthy. Yes. All right. So it's going to be Jerry, George, and Peterman at dinner. And then Jerry says, oh, uh, that he has something that came up uh, that he has to do a comedy show. Um, I mean, which, by the way, does happen sometimes out of the blue, right? I guess so, but I don't know if you would just remember out of the blue. 
Uh, and Peterman seems like he is a good detective for liars. So I'm not sure why he calls George on his BS, but never Jerry. Yeah. Well, I think that George in this episode, like he has nothing. And, and George mentions later on that he's, uh, you know, having a slump in terms of lying because he says to Jerry, I, he has nothing. He can't think of anything. But there's no reason for it. It's not like uh, he ate a mango and he's a genius or he didn't, you know, he's he like he's being abstinent. Like there's no... There's no rhyme or reason why he's in a slump. We're not given... I think that Susan is uh, killing independent George. Yeah, I guess. But it's, so it's more of a slow thing, because obviously that does not come to a head in this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so you could argue the opposite is happening, but that's for another, that's for another episode also. <laughs> uh, we see Elaine on the street. She has been stood up by Fred Stoller. Yeah, so Elaine ditches her boss to go on a date with this guy who is the total loser, and, mm-hmm. then, gets, and then gets stood up. Really... A life uh, low light for Elaine. <laughs> yeah. And again, the story really just like there's no rhyme or reason to why any of this is happening. No, no, it's a mess. Okay. Uh, George eats with Peterman and uh, that Peterman is telling this whole big story about the where, where is he? He's in the Guanjaya River Market and he's telling uh, his, he's doing his Peterman thing. And George is asking him, do you follow sports, Peterman? I mean, that's anytime I'm in a conversation with someone who's talking about something like that. That's what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that do you how quickly do you try and find sports common ground with somebody if you if you meet someone and it's like, you know, they're talking about something maybe you don't know about or like, you know, maybe your wife's friend is husband is over or something like that. Right. And, right. That's sort of like the shorthand. I feel like that if uh, my wife has like and this happens very rarely, but, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I'm at something where she's like talking to somebody that she works with and I'm just sort of like left alone with this other guy. I feel like sort of like uh, the NFL is just sort of shorthand for like, uh, like, is there any sort of like common ground here? My problem with that is it's going to sound like egotistical, but like I'd almost rather just talk, like I'd almost rather the person not be a sports fan than be like a very casual football fan. Do you know what mm. I mean? It's gonna be like, yeah. oh yeah, like the Super Bowl was crazy, and then it's like uh, the game was like forty three to eight. You know, it's like yeah, the you know so I don't want to ha- sit there in silence. No, but I'm saying we could talk about something else. We could talk like about what? What know, pol- politics? Politics. <laughs> Talk about uh, TV. Everyone watches TV. How about this? This is such a good, like, just say, like, uh, so, uh, you know, that Game of Thrones is crazy, right? Or if it's not Game of Thrones season, like, hey, uh, you know, what? uh, I'm looking for a new TV show. What TV shows do you watch? People will always be happy to to, uh, answer that question. Uh, Not everybody watches TV, Keeve. All right. So if he says, like, oh, I don't own a TV, okay, that's like a good segue, you know, that's like a good note for you to walk away if they say mm. i don't own a television you're I don't stuck watch TV. you're stuck though you, you, there's nowhere else to go you're like physically being trapped by him yeah you're like in a room with this other person mm-hmm. start looking at your phone that's what i do you just go right into just not even looking at the person anymore just like pretend ooh, i got a text message and then just like turn your back <laughs> to them and look at your phone <laughs> and like and i don't even have my phone is broken i would still do that i would, I would look at my broken phone <laughs> you're gonna get like the peterman of like i don't believe you for a second who cares like what about <laughs> like at this point there's no it's it's tough to be on a blind date with a guy like if if your wife i've always found like if i'm friends with a guy and our wives can't be friends then it's tough because my wife's like never gonna invite them over you know mm-hmm. but yeah. if our wives are friends and I can't be friends with the guy. It doesn't matter. Like, they're still being invited over all yeah, the time, and yeah, I'm stuck with right, them. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, uh, like, the relationship has no, has no lasting value. If, if, 
if the wives so, don't like each other. But if the wives like each other, you're stuck with this guy forever, and you sort of have to find the common ground. Yeah. So we cut from George asking about sports to Jerry watching some Giants game of uh, it's fourth and inches for the G-Men. And uh, the announcer is like, isn't sports great? Yeah, this must be Monday Night Football. It must be some sort of a Monday Night Football game. All right. Uh, is it, are we supposed to take that Jerry's a Giants fan? No, he's just happy to watch a Giant game. Yeah. I don't think the Jets ever get mentioned in Seinfeld. And Larry David is a Jets fan. Yes, but they were so... I mean, look, this is 1995, Rob. Like, it would have been... The only Jets reference you could have made here is how bad they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but they do come around by 1998. Yeah, but Larry's gone. Ah. Uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think of it that way. He may have quit the show out of depression for how bad the Jets were. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, well, they they weren't really, uh, I guess, yeah, 95, I think, was, uh, well, that was the 1 in 15 year, or is that 96? It's 3 in 13, and 96 is 1 in 15. Okay, yeah. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So, he was already gone by the 1 in 15 time. Um, yeah, I mean, it brings back some bad memories for me. I think I went to six games of 3 in 13 year. Okay. A lot All of right. wasted time. All right, so Peterman is driving around with George. I don't know if he's giving him a, uh, a lift home. And so uh, he, George is like, I guess, I guess I could have taken a cab. And, and uh, Peterman says, no, no, it'll give me the chance to tell you about my latest trip to Burma. And the phone rings, and uh, Peterman's mom, there's something wrong. We need to get there. She's at death's door. I, it's so cartoonish. <laughs> Why? And when then George, George gets pressed up against the glass? Well, the whole the whole scene from there, where is what? It's like such a fake call, and then he's driving, and George is like, like, how is he driving? That George's face needs to be pressed up against the glass. Well, it's happening. Yeah, I, I mean this this episode really veers into the cartoony a little bit. <laughs> All right, so Jerry's on the phone with Elaine, and uh, she talks about this experience with Fred and how he stood her up. Um, yeah, really, uh, just a total embarrassment for Elaine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so Jerry says, uh, yeah, you're attracted to him because he can't remember anything about you. Yeah, he's negging her. Yeah. And uh, she says, that's so sick. And Elaine is almost like not even aware of this. I mean, did Seinfeld start this? Is this a a thing that was talked about before Seinfeld? Did Seinfeld invent negging? Yes. I don't know. We'd have to get the history. I don't believe that they invented it, but did they... At least uh, plant the flag on it in that this I don't is the think thing so. that happens first. I don't think this episode is famous enough to, to popularize negging. Okay, so it was just something that was happening in, in the 90s? I, I think like the, the beginning of the negging seeds were being planted, but I don't think right. it was full negging season. Like in 1985, were, were people like, uh, like telling women that they're like, uh, like I don't like that dress. Like uh, something like, uh, to like, really like, throw them off their game? Maybe, but subconsciously, I think. I don't think people knew it was like a a real plan. Okay. (laughs) And we don't know if it's a real plan here for Fred Stoller. No, and we don't even, does it work today? We don't even know. I don't know. Believe me, I I didn't know what worked uh, when I was single. Mm -hmm. So, I I don't know. But that's not how you uh, landed your wife, by nagging her. (laughs) She, uh, She would say that I landed her by nagging her. Oh, boy. So Jerry also lets Elaine know that he had to ditch on the dinner with Peterman and George didn't make it. He was stuck with Peterman the whole night. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we end up seeing George and Peterman with Peterman's mom 
And uh, he shows up, and uh, he's like, uh, Mom, it's me, Jacopo. Uh, I'm here for you, Mama. And uh, we see that she's uh, not in a good state. Like, are they in Connecticut? How, how is George not able to get out of this scenario? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where they were or where they had to. I mean, if they were going to Connecticut, I don't know why George isn't like, hey, just drop me off. I'll get a cab. And Peterman's like, George, I need your company with me. So I don't know. Um, it's weird. It, yeah, the whole, the whole scenario, it's awkward. I, I, f- I feel for him being in like this awkward scenario and maybe doesn't want to leave Peterman. It's just them and the mom. But, uh, you know, he, he's, he's George Costanza. So okay. disappointing he couldn't get out of this. He's got nothing. So Peterman wakes up George in the morning and uh, he's like, George like slept in a chair. Uh, yeah, seems incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so Peterman has to go make a pot of coffee. He tells George to talk to his mom. And he ends up going into a whole monologue about how uh, he got into a fight with Susan about the passcode. And the funny thing is he's dying to tell somebody. He would love to tell someone. And you know what? It's Bosco, the chocolate syrup. He pours it in, in chocolate milk. It's his favorite drink. Um, I, I, you know, I like this. I like this idea of like telling a person who's dying a secret. Mm-hmm. And immediately... She shoots up with a jolt, Bosco, Bosco, Bosco. And then George is like, shh, shh, shh. Uh, and she's just like, uh, continue, uh, funny performance by Mrs. Peterman. Yeah, she did a good job here. She did a good job. And so uh, Peterman is very confused about this. Bosco, what, what, is it, what does it mean? Um, I think, I, you know, with this whole thing, and, and we're going to imply that George is killing Jacopo's mom here. I just like there needs to be a little bit more of it than we didn't see. You know what I mean? Because well, the audience mean? doesn't think that he killed her. The audience knows he didn't kill her. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about at the end of the episode. Just where- the very idea of like, because we're setting the scenes here, like where like Peterman thinks George killed her. What does Peterman think George did? Oh, I don't know if he really knows. He just thinks that George is acting really shady. He's got a good read on George. He knows when he's lying. And that he feels like that George is holding out on him. And then his mom is yelling Bosco. And then we find out there's a connection to George. So uh, I don't think he has any like real hard evidence, but he feels like there's something shady going on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so we see Jerry and George back together. And uh, George wants to know, why couldn't you help me out? Why couldn't you give me an excuse that would have got me out of it too? Um. <sighs> I mean, it's crazy that the tables have turned and George is looking for excuses now. Yeah. George is usually the excuse giver outer that we've seen mm-hmm. in the past. Yes. And George, we find out, is in this uh, bit of a slump. Uh, he needs, like, a uh, to get out of this slump. Oh, I mean, it's sort of like, is it the thing where in baseball you need just, like, sort of like a bloop single to drop in and that sort of, like, gets you off the schneid? Totally. So he just needs to be lying more. Is that what he's doing? Or, like, extra BP? Yeah, he needs a little extra BP. Just try and one, you know, once one falls in the hole, or even if you get booted, you know, they booted, it's an error, but you still get on base and score. I feel like that could get your confidence back. Okay. All right. So Kramer comes in, and uh, George is talking about how he has to go to the funeral, and Jerry is saying, hey, just tell me what the code is already. And so now, does Jerry know the part of the story where George told Peterman's mom the password? Does Jerry know it? I think by this point, he probably knows it, right? But he doesn't know what it is. So George is like, so I had to tell somebody. So I told Peterman's mom. 
the password, and then she started blurting it out. So couldn't Jerry just ask Peterman, "Hey, what does what was your mom's last word?" Um, he could. <laughs> I guess that would be a crazy question, but. So you're saying, me, okay, now you're maybe convincing that Jerry doesn't know the whole story. I don't think he knows the whole story. So, I mean, Jerry could go to the funeral and say, like, oh, what ha- could you tell me what happened? He's like, yes, uh, what happened was she uh, started yelling out Bosco. And then uh, Jerry would know the password. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess, but maybe Jerry, like, doesn't actually care. He just wants George to tell him. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not sure. It's a good question. All right, so Kramer comes in. He's like, oh, I could guess your password. And he goes through the whole thing. And all of a sudden, Kramer is the mentalist. Yeah, truly. Uh, I mean, it's almost like good of the writers that they didn't actually like he narrowed it down incredibly specifically, but didn't Sherlock guess. Holmes now. Yeah. But really, uh, just an amazing skill we never see Kramer have before or after. He goes through the whole thing and realizes it's not going to be birthdays. You're a man of temptation. You're a portly fellow. <laughs> I like when he says... Uh, Ah, uh, you may stray, but you always return to your dark master, the cocoa bean. Like, yeah, I like how he says it. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, he also blurts out, um, you could, uh, you know, uh, guzzle that syrup by the gallon. Ovaltine. Uh, you know, the writer's room, uh, very uh, preoccupied with Ovaltine at Seinfeld. Yes. Yeah. Hershey's. <laughs> Nestle Quick. All right. So we see Elaine and George at the funeral, and uh, Elaine is like looking at her watch, and George is like very concerned. Like, oh wait, you looking at your watch? You trying to get out of here? We know why Elaine's on her third job in just a few years because she just stood her boss up mm-hmm. to go on a date, yeah. and now she's leaving his mom's funeral for no reason. Yes, and so uh, you know. Here's Mr. Peterman, and uh, Mr. Peterman is asking George about, like, uh, what did Mother mean when she said Bosco? Uh, like, who, why is he so obsessed with this? Like, it's well, a great- I mean, I think that that's a natural thing to be obsessed with. You had a dying relative who started blurting out a word, like, right before they died. I think that you'd probably be curious, to, like, what does it mean? You know, if you had a relative that, like, you know... Um, you were sort of like with with them for like their final hours, and they started just yelling "Kit Kat, Kit Kat!" Right? <laughs> like, oh, well, what Kit Kat? They don't even like ch- Kiva. Doesn't even like chocolate. I don't even like chocolate. Um, I think, yeah, I don't. I mean, I guess it's, it's usual. I mean, I'm sure you'd be curious. Yes, I'd be curious, uh, but I don't know if I'd like turn over hell and high water here. All right. Well, Elaine says, uh, you know. Uh, Deepest sympathies, uh, Mr. Peterman, but I need to go. I have a personal commitment. I need to go speak at a women's rights conference. Yeah, which is a funny gag here because they put George, who has no game right now in terms of excuses of, you know, of being stuck and saying that he has to go speak at a men's rights conference. Yeah, Peterman says. Which he doesn't say men's rights. I, I don't know if that was like too controversial. He just says men's conference. Yeah, men's conference. And Peterman ends up saying, uh, I don't believe that for a minute. Uh, Elaine, it was good of you to stop by. So she's out of there. Yeah, she gets credit for coming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Peterman also has a theory that uh, when he was growing up in Costa Rica, he heard a rumor that mother had taken a lover. Perhaps Bosco was this man's name. Is that possible? Could it be both things? Because we don't really find where it's not like the Manya thing where... Peterman's mom loved chocolate syrup, right? And this sort of just like resonated with her. Yeah, we don't totally get the reason why uh, she like this is. But maybe she's just like trying to, uh, you know, latch on to anything as she's dying. 
Is it possible that this part of the story is true? Do you think that Bosco was the name of the lover that Mrs. Peterman had in Costa Rica? Yeah, it's possible. I don't. I don't think it's. It's. It. You know. It, I'd give it fifty-fifty. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we end up with uh, Kramer uh, with Jerry and uh, that. Kramer has all of the shortcuts for the fire station. He's going to go down and rock their world. Yeah, and in his mind, he's the first person to ever do this. Yes. Also, Jerry's going to go down to Leap and Larry. All is forgiven. I don't know exactly what changed where Jerry couldn't have gotten Leap and Larry to understand that his foot was asleep when he was there, but now Leap and Larry... I think it's the time thing. You know, a lot of times someone's upset, you don't want to deal with them then. You want to come back a couple days later and wait till they come down and deal with it. Leap and Larry's kind of a hothead. Yeah, oh, totally. (laughs) Total hothead, Leap and Larry. All right. So we see uh, Kramer at the fire station with the captain, and uh, he seems somewhat impressed at first with the list of shortcuts, but then he ends up pivoting very quickly and says you know every week some hothead like you another hothead uh comes in with faster routes and uh we are think things are fine the way they are yeah which is such a loser's attitude yeah we saw we we put out every fire immediately yeah we have no re- we have no margin to get better here at the fire department yeah uh do you think that the firefighters are using uh ways nowadays yeah Oh, that's a good question. I, I don't know. But if we have, if we have a firefighter correspondent, that's actually a good question. Correspondent. Yeah. Well, we got to get one. Uh, maybe after the soup Nazi, we have so many new people on board. Uh, <laughs> we're already off board after like the first off hour board. of this one. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jerry's back at Leap and Larry's. And uh, Leap and Larry, very forgiving. And Jerry has his legs crossed again. And now Jerry immediately goes back into uh, Leap and Larry limp mode. And he is trying to get his leg to be not asleep. And he ends up stomping on some uh, paint thinner cans, uh, which are, I guess, flammable. And then uh, Leap and Larry's ends up going up in flames. Uh, Yeah, they don't give like there's no real great tie into like how the fire starts other than him having the foot asleep. But, uh, you know, it's uh, they they do a decent job in this episode of tying everything together and, you know, bring everyone in the same Mm -hmm. spot. All right, so we go to the fire station. The alarm is going off, and so everybody's running around, and Kramer ends up sliding down the pole and knocking out a uh, firefighter and sending him right into the wall. Uh, Certainly a concussion is in play here. Uh, Well, Kramer has so many concussions that, you know, every concussion you have makes you more prone to have more concussions, right? Yeah, but he gives a concussion to somebody. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy... um, guy is concussed. He's certainly not in the shape to drive right away. Uh, nobody notices, even though they're right there. No one's concerned. And Kramer, again, these people should really be uh, like, oh, there's about 10 people in this episode that could very reasonably have testified at the trial in the finale, right? Mm-hmm. Easily. A lot of yeah. people who have gripes on the, on the gang in this episode. Yeah. And so Kramer uh, tries to get the guy up. He says, you okay, cowboy? And uh, he tells Kramer he drives the back of the truck and Kramer seizes the opportunity to live out his boyhood fantasy of being the person who drives the back of the fire truck. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I never had that sort of fantasy, but I hear you, Kramer. OK. All right. We see Elaine finally on a date with Fred Stoller and he's going on and on about pills for his mom. And she's like, what am I doing here? 
Um, right, I, I, right. Now that he, now that he's gotten her there, I don't know what makes her realize now because he's still not like super interested in her. It's just like we're running out of time in the episode, so Elaine has to realize at mm-hmm. this point. But it, I don't, I don't, I'm not totally buying. I that, think like, she's this trying is- to catch him, and then he has caught her, and then she's like, "Well, why did I want to be caught by this guy?" Right. Okay. So we see George and Peterman uh, by the casket. Peterman is still wondering about Bosco, Bosco, Bosco. And then uh, they get told about the big fire down the street. The whole block is going up in flames. Um, yeah, quite a fire from just this one little uh, you know, thing in, in uh, Jerry kicking over. Well, I wonder if Leap and Larry's might not have been up to code. Maybe that was the reason why they need to do all those renovations. Ooh, maybe, yeah, maybe leaping as he's leaping around regulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we end up with uh, everybody very uh, scared about the fire. Uh, we now see now Kramer is driving the fire truck. And they're telling, uh, like, hey, let's make a left on Broadway. Kramer's saying, let's not do that. He's got a different way to go. Yeah, Kramer's got a yeah. Kramer's got a, a plan, but we see very quickly like I you know you obviously you know it's a sitcom like Kramer's either going to save the day by being a genius or he's you know going to ruin everything and, and the whole block's going to burn down. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's a very unsitcom thing to happen where an entire city block burns down. Yeah, well, this is this is Seinfeld. It's not this is not made about you. Yeah. All right, Desoto's down. Cosmo's got the caboose. The ass man. Um. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I, I really love when Kramer's driving this truck mm-hmm. and like stopping to wave at people because he's so popular in the city. Yeah, it happens a lot of episodes. Like, hey, Kramer is like the most popular person on the Upper West Side. <laughs> they call him the Annie Chester. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we by, s- you, by the way, just just now, Chester paused when he's listening to this on Saturday night or Sunday morning. Chester paused and G chatted me. You know, I live on the Upper East Side, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, we see Leap and Larry, you know, he's uh, pour- bringing things out of the store and uh, nobody knows how the fire started. And Leap and Larry says, uh, where's the fire department? I'm going to lose the whole store. Uh, yeah, it is like this weird thing, right? Where you're like, you're out and you, this guy, like you, this person sees their, you know, house or their store burning down. There's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, Leap and Larry was doing so good. He was uh, getting over the depression from losing his leg. And this, I feel like, is going to set him back. No, this is a big setback for Leap and Larry. <laughs> All right. So uh, we end up with uh, Jerry uh, listening on the scanner that Leap and Larry hands him. And we see the, the guy yelling at Kramer, uh, what are you doing, Kramer? You're all over the road. Don't worry, I can handle it. And uh, we end up with uh, the walkie-talkie just cutting out um yeah uh, uh, jerry listening to kramer on the walkie-talkie is uh, is pretty funny also yeah and jerry ends with a that's a shame yeah all right it's gonna burn not yeah. my problem and uh really kramer is just like completely out of control on the truck i mean it seems like a hard job also it doesn't see it seems like something you have to be trained for not just so, right, like a layman right. come to a, it. it does not seem like the kind of thing you could just like you know slide down the pole and start doing on your own no that seems tricky All right, so then we see what is going on here in this ATM vestibule where there's a man, but his sleeve is stuck in the ATM machine and ate his card. Akiva, can you explain no, the it's a, there's, there's a hundred ways they could have done this better. Yeah. Like his sleeve should have been stuck in the door, and you just need the door to open the card. This is just so bizarre. I mean, the card the to open thing. the door. Yeah. 
It, it doesn't make any sense. Right, his sleeve is stuck. So if you put the card in, then what? Then his sleeve comes out. It makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know uh, what part of the ATM is his sleeve caught in. It would, and it would have been funny if George was like yelling at them, like you know, you don't need, like who cares? You're fine. Just get your sleeve out. The ATM card's not going to help you. If George was like arguing over the logistics, like we are, whereas it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And it's just they easily could have gotten around it. Like yeah. just take off the jacket. <laughs> That's right. Cut off your hand. Just get out of the freaking store. <laughs> Put, get, put 127 hours, but we would stop yelling about yeah, the freaking well, ATM un- Unzip the jacket and turn your body 180 degrees. Right, even if it's your shirt, you know, it's just the sleeve. Take off your shirt, take off the jacket, whatever you need to do. Get out of there. Yeah, it's, he's not handcuffed to the ATM machine. Right. Yeah, the, I feel like they could have spent another t- 30 <laughs> seconds in the writer's room fixing this one up. All right, so that apparently also Peterman has no ATM card, and he says, uh, George, give me your ATM card. Uh, and he says, I don't have an ATM card. And George, you're obviously lying. Anyone can see that. So he throws it to the guy, and then he has to give the code. Give me the code, man. I wonder if Peterman's lie detection skills work past this episode, or if George is just on such a rut that anybody can get him out, you know? Uh, That's interesting to track. We will see how Peterman's lie detection skills end up going the rest of the way. All right, and then that's where the episode ends, other than the tag. Uh. Yeah, I mean, right, the tag where they where they read the, the catalog and that says that, uh, you know, George yeah. killed Jacopo's mom. Okay, so we end up with... And wait, hold up, but we don't see George give the Bosco password. Right, right. In the next scene, in the tag, we do see George, you know, ha- he's certainly given Susan his password. Mm-hmm. But is there any argument that... Obviously, the implication is that George had to give it up, and now that he's given up, it's open season and everyone can know the password, right? Uh, yeah, you think so. What if, in an altered scenario, that's not the case? How so? Why would you think it would be something different? Like, what if George doesn't give him the password? Mm-hmm. The guy dies in the fire. And George is so racked from guilt that he's like, okay, a few months later, he's like, you know what? Everyone can have the password. I'm not, I'm, no more lives will be lost because of this password. Well, you think this tag is a couple months after the rest of the yes. episode? The tag is a few months later. No. Is that, well, first of all, that's impossible. Oh, that's impossible? Yeah, that that's pretty. I mean, that we've had the now New York we've gone too far with our hypotheticals. No, uh, that uh, that well, we had Rob, the New York Marathon. What if this scene is out of order, though? This is just a tag. What if this scene takes place, but then the next few episodes happen? No, that's crazy. That's crazy talk. That, that, it's that not crazy because we get so we're about to get into Christmas break, whereas like thing you know that we're going to take some time off. Mm. Uh, you know, there's no more new episodes uh, at a certain point. You know, after the gum in a few weeks, they take the whole holiday season off. So wait, so this is like a flash forward to like many months in the future? I mean, it's Susan's not dead yet. Oh, it's not that many months in the future. It's just to the winter. It's probably December, January time. Well, you're wasting everybody's time here with this theory. Oh, it's such a good theory. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe it was just a few days later. George is, is, a, is a heartless person who can get over things quickly. The only thing what I if- will say in your favor... Uh, yeah. is that somehow the Jay Peterman catalog has come out by this yeah, point. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like, even, I mean, I guess, it, like, a catalog, I, you could make a magazine and it come out, like, you know, Sports Illustrated sometimes would come to Mass Wednesday and they'd have a little bit about the Monday game in it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a, a periodical that comes out weekly. I mean, at best, this right, thing comes Right, but what if, it, what if it just happens to be that this is the day? Yeah. Well, they're looking at the catalog and uh, that they're reading this and Jerry hands it over the rogue's wallet. That's where he kept his card, his dirty little secret, short, devious, balding. 
His name was Costanza. He killed my mother. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. I, I feel like George could sue here. Not even like, uh, an, you know, illusion. He says straight out he killed her. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is the worst offense here? The rabbi who spills the, uh, the dirt about George uh, looking for prostitutes or <laughs> Peterman here? You know, Peterman is, is terrible. By the way, crazy fact about this episode. Uh, I guess a fun fact. It's good. Uh, Peterman's mom, just in real life, just passed last year. Oh, wow. She lived to the ripe old age of 101. Ellen Albertini oh, died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any... You know, who didn't have it so easy. No, I'm, I, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. We, I feel like we haven't done fun facts in a while. I don't, th- I don't think we need to get back on the fun facts. Okay. All right. Uh, so that's it. That's Secret Code. Um, mm-hmm. In, in big picture, uh, what do you think of this overall? I think uh, the first 15 minutes of this episode are as weird and messy as you know any episode from about season three on. Mm-hmm. Most episodes, like a lot of good episodes, they have a tr- trouble at the end, you know, maybe tying everything together, except for like the really great ones. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, the episode gets more interesting and gets probably even, you know, uh, is, gets improved. At, in the last few scenes, because we don't know where it's going, but it ends up tie- it might not tie together in the best way, but it's certain like Jerry burning down the store and then Kramer coming and and then the, it tying in with the Bosco thing and the Bosco was cl- you know the the password although we didn't think the scene was done perfectly is clearly the apex of the episode. Um, I, I like the Kramer stuff, especially the first time you see it. You know Kramer uh, getting in the fire truck and driving the fire truck. I think it's pretty funny. But there's really no classic lines. It's better Peterman than in most episodes. Mm-hmm. Like, Peterman's not un- unbearable here at all. Yeah. Uh, but overall, the episode is a hot mess, and it's not one of my favorite episodes. So I would say that the stuff with the ATM machine, you know, and Bosco, I, I still feel like that that stuff holds up, even though you have to, you know, suspend your disbelief on a password being Bosco. Yeah. But the Elaine stuff is really, uh, speaking of not memorable... No, I mean, it really is just you could completely just surgically remove all of those scenes from the episode and nothing would change. Totally. And I also think that um, the, I mean, the Stoller, yeah, the Stoller thing doesn't pay off and needed to pay off. Like there, there's another scene that's missing, basically, that, uh, you know, brings the Stoller storyline somewhere. Like there's no reason for it other than Elaine needed something to do. And they fail to tie it into the other three stories, which all connect together really well. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, they rarely connect three stories, but not four, and it's it, not a great job here. Yeah, that, very tacked on. All right, so let's grade it out. Uh, Jerry with Leap and Larry? Uh, B. Yeah, not, not a lot going on there. Really, a means to an end to start the fire. Yep. Uh, Kramer driving the fire truck? Uh, pretty funny, A-. minus. Yeah. Uh, green screen really does not hold up. No, 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 the green screen's awful. <laughs> All right, uh, but Michael Richards does a you know has a yeoman's effort with yeoman's uh, effort <laughs> spinning around on the on the chair there a yo mama's effort. Oh, uh, then also George with the ATM pin code. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I, I think the first time you see it, it's like really transcendent, but doesn't hold up as well. But I'll still give it an, uh, an A minus. Yeah, uh, I think that's fine. Peter, well, so we're we're sitting there and picking picking nits with like the the thing stuck in, which when you're really analyzing, it doesn't make sense. But when you're just watching the first time on television, you don't notice that. Mm-hmm. And uh, also, uh, Peterman, uh, exceptionally bearable here in this episode. Yeah, he's totally bearable. Um, and uh, uh, Elaine's story is is a D minus. Yeah, it's just like it's it goes nowhere and it makes Elaine look bad. Yeah. And I, it, I, the idea of an incredibly pathetic character like Fred Stoller 
has legs. Like the Fritz Dole character could have really had a solid uh, B or C arc in this episode, but this was not it. Okay. All right, Keeve, the yep. big reveal. What is the episode ranking number for this? Top nine, baby. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> the, all right, the secret uh, I was code. Guess. I was supposed to guess. I was supposed to guess. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. I will say uh, 90. Nope. No, I have it all the way down at uh, 127. Oh, wow, that's very low. Yeah. There's, uh, listen, okay. there's, uh, there's not really a ton of memorable stuff other than Bosco in this episode. Okay. All right, let's get into our email mailbag. Seinfeld at postshowrecaps.com. Johnny DeSavera out the gate says, the firehouse exterior shots in the secret code are the same one used in Ghostbusters. New Ghostbusters or old Ghostbusters, Johnny? Yeah, I think that when they redo Seinfeld in the remake, the scene, it's going to have to be all female firefighters. (laughs) I think you're going to say it's going to be three women and then one man. I think. Well, first of all, the fire department here is all dudes. Yeah. Did you go see the Ghostbusters? The, I've never seen the old that? one. You I would. I, I mean, no. I thought it would be funny. Like maybe I'll. I will see the new one because I've never seen the old one. Yeah, I've never seen the Ghost. I, I was thinking the other day, like, why did I never see Ghostbusters? Like, yes, it came out before. It came out in the eighties, right? Yes, I believe nineteen eighty-five. So, like, it came out before I would have. Like, I was one year old, but like I. I should have seen it, I, and I'm not opposed to it. Like certain movies, I understand. Like I was never interested in like the Star movies, mm-hmm. but Star Wars, Star Trek. I don't. I I should have seen it, and it's like it, it, I feel bad, but I, I was like never at somebody's house, and they were like, "Hey, let's watch Ghostbusters." Okay, um, but I, maybe I'll see the new one, and I'll have nothing to compare it to, and maybe I'll be like the only unbiased person on earth. All right, with my movie opinion. Fair enough. Uh, watched a good uh, comic book girl. Nineteen had a good uh, video on the new Ghostbusters. Did you watch the movie? No. No. I Wait, so you saw Comic Book Girl 19's take on the movie, but you didn't watch the movie? Yeah. And are you going to watch the movie? I mean, I would watch it on HBO. I probably won't like, go out I was on. The, I was on uh, two long flights this week, and I was thinking, like, oh, yeah, if the new Ghostbusters movie was on the flight, that would be, uh, like, the ideal, like, playing movie for me. Yeah. I would watch the old one and the new one. My, my wife is there, and she's like, hey, give me a movie. And I said, I would give her, like, the name of a movie, and she would watch for two minutes, like, no, I need a new one. And we went through, like, 40 movies before she's like, tell me the movie here that you would least want to watch. <laughs> Why don't you just tell me the name of the movie that's, you'd By watch. the way, that's, ne- that's next week's uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's the pool guy next week. Um, I think, uh, it, it, literally, she's like, tell me the movie that you'd like the least. I guarantee that's what I would want to watch. So I found some, like, horrible-looking Will Ferrell comedy. I'm like... That's the last movie in this whole list. I was ironically, Forrest Gump was on the plane. I was thinking about watching it and maybe doing a podcast with your wife. Yeah, yeah. but the, I, I passed. It was too long. I wanted to sleep. But um, yeah, so I, I gave her this Will Ferrell comedy that looked abominable, and she loved it. Okay. All right. What about Max the Millennial? Max the Millennial says, overall, I was a little disappointed by this episode on the second go around. The Fred Stoller stuff never really pays off. That's true. And the Kramer Firetruck story gets a little over slapstick. Yep, that's definitely true. However, do you think they were going for a Citizen Kane-ish joke with Bosco instead of Rosebud? If so, as millennial correspondent, I declare this actually does hold. My people, most people my age, probably wouldn't get that it's a Citizen Kane reference. I would agree. He's 18 years old. But Rosebud is widely known from jokes in Family Guy or South Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's I've never seen Citizen Kane, but I'm familiar with Rosebud. Yes, yeah, uh, that is a, a trope. You know, I did forget about that as we were doing the podcast, but I'm sure that that is something that they were going for of the Citizen Kane type story with some sort of, instead of, uh, you know, some sort of important artifact being something stupid like George's ATM pin code. So 
I'm sure that that's something that they were going for. So uh, I'll give it even more points. But that wasn't the part of the story that I had an issue with. The no, me neither. <laughs> the Peterman's mom storyline. That, that, no. that, that's fine. It's it's some of the other stuff. Yeah. What does Craig from Vancouver want from us? Craig says, uh, "Do either of you hold any secrets from your wives, uh, Keeve? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, uh, I mean, probably I keep more secrets from her than I do from the people that listen to this podcast. Right. But you tell them on the podcast, knowing <laughs> that they never. What would happen if someone started snitching? What would we do to them? Uh, I think they would just be blocked Band? from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely not getting their emails in the mail. No show for you. Yeah. That's um, it. We should te- we should test that out as like a balloon one episode. Like say something like really juicy, but admit it's a lie. But you know the people like not on that episode, so that someone will hear it and we'll see if they snitch, and then we'll catch the snitch that way. Yes, a honeypot. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, Craig from Vancouver adds, uh, "I have a feeling Rob has a lot of things that he wished stayed secret, but Nicole either doesn't care unless the secret involves someone by the name of Goofy Gal, or would rather not know if it meant she had to listen to the whole podcast to find out." Yeah, that would be funny if we had, like, last week the Seinfeld episode, someone's like, oh, Nicole, you really wouldn't want to listen to this, but, like, gives no further information. Like, there's I no mean, way she's listening to two hours, ten minutes yeah, to find like, this. Yeah, she's like, eh, you know, I really there, not Is not there a 40 speed? Right, 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 right. Um, yeah, and somebody would have to tell her, like, exactly what it is and the time code, and, and, then, and then maybe, even, she, and then I still think that she'd be like, what, why did this person tell me to listen to this at this exact moment? Right. Would, uh, yeah. Yeah. In terms of secrets, like, it, mine are all food related. Like, I'm always hiding food for my wife, and then she finds it in, like, a bag or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, she, because, you know, she always wants me to eat healthy, but I'm always, you know, sneaking snacks or whatever. Well, what about Lindsay? Lindsay says, Are you guys all super protective of your ATM pin? My partner once told me he knew what mine was from seeing me enter so many times, and I was appalled, though I really don't know why. Yeah, that's kind of crazy that he knew it just from looking at you entering it. Yeah, it's sort of like the urinal thing. I think that, yeah, this was a yeah. courtesy to like just be like looking in a different direction. Yeah, and then you shouldn't admit that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Have, all right, she wants to know, have you guys had any notable incidents where you've introduced someone multiple times without them knowing who you are? Uh, yeah, but it's usually, I think for us, it's, the, it's always been the opposite because I had the same thing where I've done the nice to meet you to someone and he's been like, oh, I met you three times already. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. She says, you guys are absolutely right about, sign- about Susan this season. I always think of this season as being all about the engagement, but she's basically a non-entity so far. In this episode, her entire role is to ask George about his ATM code twice and then she mentions it once. Yeah, she's at the beginning, the end, that's it. Yeah, she's a prop. She's totally a prop. Like in this episode, she does heavy lifting. Uh, where she actually has like a conversation with George mm. uh, for a few seconds, and they ask her to do like very basic comedy, where she like has to raise her voice like one octave, and she could barely do it. What is Roger? Uh, Roger wants to know: Is Bosco even a thing? Aside from this episode, the only other time I've ever heard of it is from my mother. Also, I was about to ask for a ranking of the different chocolate milk uh, mixes slash syrups. I know how Akiva feels about chocolate. Maybe Rob could weigh in on that. Personally, I've always been more of an Ovaltine man myself. Now, I don't know if Ovaltine comes in the syrup. I do believe that the syrup is far superior to the powder. Uh, I could buy that. I feel like the powder on any sort of like lemonade or iced tea or anything like that is never good. It's very hard to get it right. I feel like that to, to really do the powder right, I feel like that you need more, more so than a spoon you need like some sort of a container with a top that you could really shake to be able to get it to work. You never get the right water powder combo. Yeah, very tough to do. Uh, I mean, milk helps it. Uh, you know, the, I think these things dissolve better in milk than in water. You keep but, saying milk. Yeah, what, what, what should I say? Milk. 
Milk? You say it like milk, like the milkman. Okay. All right. Well, I'll... I'll add, add that to the list. <laughs> add that to the list of, of things. Anyway, uh, Bosco chocolate syrup. Uh, can you still buy it? It has a Facebook page. Uh, no, oh wait, no, sorry, that's a band. There's a band Bosco. Mm-hmm. So can it's you still get Bosco? Yeah, I, I've saw it. I've seen it in my fridge in the last few years. You can definitely get it. Okay. Yeah. So I guess you can still get some uh, Bosco chocolate syrup. Uh, Bosco World, I believe, is the website uh, to get their stuff. Uh, the website does not look uh, particularly up to date, but I think is it like a really... GeoCities page from '95? No, but I think that they go for maybe like an old school look. Like, it would be funny if like the website said like this week we got mentioned on Seinfeld, and that was the last <laughs> entry on the website. <laughs> yeah. I do believe that there was like a Bosco drink also. Like I feel like that they were like a YouTube, uh, not YouTube, <laughs> YooHoo uh, competitor. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like I don't know any of this Hershey's, Nestle, Quick. Like I couldn't even guess what they taste like. I, I'm really out on the chocolate conversation. Okay. Anyway, uh, so that is uh, what's going on with with Bosco. Uh, Nicole is more of a Nestle Quick drinker. If anybody's interested in that. Uh, Caleb says, did you guys feel the same way when your wife started asking for that kind of info when she got engaged? Well, everyone wants to know the same thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not married, but I'd like to know what the future holds. Ah, it comes up like organically. My wife's never like, hey, what's your password? It would be like, hey, uh, you know, I, I need to take out money. Uh, honey, can you take it out? I was like, all right, then what's your password? Yeah. Now, I, I have no issue with, with giving my wife my ATM pin code. No, she has all my money anyway. <laughs> one one right. way or the other. <laughs> right. And if I don't let it, then she just takes half of my money and runs away. All right. Um, okay. Uh, so Caleb has a little game for us. We talked last week about how I said Larry Thomas, the actor who plays the soup Nazi, is not famous. And there's no way was ever famous enough to be on The Celebrity Apprentice. Mm-hmm. And you disagreed. So he yeah. gave me a list. And I said the athletes don't count because they liked having athletes on. So Caleb writes in with a list of people who are less famous, in his opinion, than actor Larry Thomas. That are not athletes or playmates. Playmates who have been on The Celebrity Apprentice. You ready for the list? Right. Sig Hansen, uh, the deadliest catch boat captain. No, and he's more famous. than Much more famous. I've heard of him, and I'd have never watched his show. Yes. Omarosa. Mm, uh, Infinitely more famous. She's the African-American outreach correspondent for the potential future future president of the United States of America. Possibly a, a cabinet position on the table. I mean, all these Omarosa. people are eligible for a cabinet position, Rob. <laughs> Everyone so. I'm about to mention, like, they're, they're, you know, it could be, like, <laughs> you could have Omarosa as, like, Secretary of, of, of uh, you know, State, and you could have Adam Carolla as, like, Secretary of Transportation because he likes cars so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could really get, it could be entirely people drawn from Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. Okay, it, it's on the table. Uh, Nene Leakes, much, yeah, Nene much, Leakes, much more, more famous. famous. Yeah. Gene Simmons, like that's an atrocity to even mention him on this list. Like, yeah. Gene Simmons is a legitimate celebrity who just like later in life had to go on the show. Star Jones, much mm. more famous, and Kenya Moore, the least famous person on your list, but still infinitely more famous than Larry Thomas. <laughs> the thing is, yeah. I've never seen any of their shows. Gene, I, I know. Uh, the, Star the Jones, Bravo people are tough to gauge because if you're in that world, you say, "What are you talking about? Kenya Moore is a superstar." Uh, yeah, but they like, think about world. how many followers on Twitter they have compared to how many Larry Thomas would have if he's on, you know. Yeah. It's absurd. And uh, the thing is, we know Larry Thomas because we know Seinfeld. But, you know, someone who doesn't know Seinfeld, would, if you said, hey, Larry Thomas, they wouldn't get it in a thousand guesses that he's the soup Nazi. Whereas like Sig Hansen, I've never seen a show, but I know his name. Okay. So he's much more famous. Plus, he's modern, whereas Larry Thomas might have been able to be on 1996's Celebrity Apprentice. 
The only thing I will say is if we look ahead to the Arnold Schwarzenegger edition of Celebrity mm-hmm. Apprentice, yeah, could okay. is there anybody that is less famous than the Soup Nazi here? Okay, let me give you a couple names. Yeah, uh, Portia Williams. Oh boy, what is she? Uh, is she like a, a Real Housewives? Yeah, I think she might be another person. Yeah, she's Real Housewives of Atlanta. Okay, so, uh, so, guess, so she is not famous. I'm going to say Portia Williams is not famous. Okay, uh, what about uh, Che Sonnen? Shale Sonnen. He's he's uh, he's a well known UFC fighter and he's the athlete. Okay. Uh, How about this, Keith? Ricky Williams, the pothead Ricky Williams. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, him and Shil Sonnen are going to have fun together. I think that <laughs> Shil Sonnen's also pretty open about that sort of thing, I think. Uh, this might be the season to get you into watching Celebrity Apprentice. Lisa Leslie is going to be in. Oh, a lot of athletes. Uh, by the way, Portia Williams married or is it used to be married to Cordell Stewart, the great uh, Colorado quarterback and wow. sport, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback. Uh, and uh, Lila Ali is going to be in this Layla, also. My, for- my former coworker. We worked together in the last Olympics. We, yes, I was on the boxing team. Eric Dickerson also. Uh, and by the way, former coworker, I actually like uh, converse with her, unlike when I say like Bob Costa, my former coworker, but I never <laughs> yes. spoke to him. Yeah. By the uh, way, uh, uh, Portia. Well, who's the last person said Eric Dickerson? Eric Dickerson. Oh, it's like yes. was it like a sports team versus a non-sports team? That's uh, a maybe lot of that athletes. could be what they're going for. A uh, Portia um, Williams has five hundred thousand followers on Twitter, so she's not, uh, you know, she's not like Nene Leakes, but she's more famous than Larry Thomas. Yeah. Also, uh, f- uh, former Seinfeld co-star John Lovitz is also going to be there. You know, I would have thought that they would have gotten bigger names for the first Schwarzenegger Celebrity Apprentice. Yeah. Okay, how about this Lovitz person? is big. Uh, Matt Iceman. Oh, what is he like? Dancing with the Stars? He's a television host uh, no, that he's, he's been on. Drew Carey, uh, Mad TV. He was the host of Sports Soup. <laughs> yeah, that didn't last long. So that might be the answer. No, he's still much the more sports famous. Sports soup Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> okay, maybe that's it. Maybe we have the Larry Thomas. Uh, Matt, <laughs> I mean, I don't even know if he has a Wikipedia page, Matt Iceman. Uh, he does, because I was just on it. All right. Is he a uh, stand up comedian? Is this the stand up comedian slash doctor? Yeah, I guess so. All right, so at least, like, you know, he is a nobody, but he's, he's a doctor and a comedian. Like, that's much more, uh, you know, accomplished <laughs> than the soup Nazi. Because he's a uh, crossover star? Well, he's accomplished something with his life. He's a doctor. <laughs> hey, leave Larry Thomas alone. He he was diagnosed with arthritis at 31. All right, well, let's go. We're, we're, we're way off track. All right, uh, what about Amir? What does Amir have to say? Oh, by the way, more famous, uh, the lawyer for the bottle guy that we talked about two hours ago, <laughs> or Larry Thomas? Marcus Wilcox? Marcus Wilcox. Let's get him on the celebrity. Yeah. The hashtag, get Marcus Wilcox on Celebrity Apprentice. Get Marcus uh, Wilcox on the podcast to talk about this case. Yes, that's that's uh, we have to. You know, I don't know if he talks to the media. But Wait, when's the bottle deposit? That's season nine. No, it's coming up later this season. I think. Okay, well, maybe we need to get uh, Marcus Wilcox on in that episode to talk about what Kramer and Newman did and why that was beloved and why his client is facing uh, serious consequences. Mm-hmm. That's a two-part episode, so we get him on. We'll get we'll cut it down to a scant five hours that episode. <laughs> um, okay, Amir says, "Why did Jerry and George need a good excuse to leave dinner with Peterman? They don't know him. They don't work for him. They'll never see him again. Elaine screwed them over. Why can't they say a simple, I'm sorry, but we can't stay?'" Who cares? What's the difference? Is no, that true. They'll never see him again. Is that written from no, no, like no, season no. nine? Uh, no, and, they uh, see him again. But but he, uh, and he's saying like he's not a part of their life. And and uh, Amir adds the same applies for why George feels the need to go to the funeral in the first place. I understand, by the way, the need to go to the funeral. Like he he has a closeness. He has a connection to Peterman at this point. He was in the room when his mom died. Nobody else mm-hmm. can say that. That I almost get more than the restaurant. Yeah. Um, 
I, I get that, you know, Jerry and George don't want to be total scumbags. I mean, it, 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 you know, I shudder to think if you were ever like uh, left alone at a dinner with Amir and, and he, he just like was not feeling it, what he might say. Well, this happened to me and Amir once and we <laughs> yes. were fine. We, this, it's this, I, maybe I told us on like the second episode of the show, but like we, Amir and I, I, I had never heard of him. I'm sure he'd never heard of me. And we had a mutual friend who invited us to a Mets Cardinals playoff game. He got tickets. Our friend Yoel Ice. And then he couldn't go. And we had pretty good seats. Uh, it was the game where I think uh, I think it was game one. And mm-hmm. and uh, maybe Hampton throws like, uh, I don't know, I'm getting old and I'm tired. I'm jet lagged. I don't remember anything. But the, but I think like Hampton throws like a, like a, a complete game or something. Anyway, uh, so he can't go and maybe he sold two of the tickets and he's like oh you'll just go with amir so that me and amir have never met each other before mm-hmm. and we My went date. so we're we're the george and peterman there we go to a um we go to the Met game. but you know, listen when you're met fans again it's like you just talk about sports we talk about the mets all the time so it's not super awkward mm-hmm. so i mean amir could write in next week and let and let us know his like maybe i'd like to hear his uh, impression of that blind date. His but account I, of it, the event. Yeah, maybe it was like awkward and he was trying to leave. Like, like Akiva was so annoying, I was trying to leave the Mets playoff game early. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe yeah. he would think that. Uh, anyway, so uh, Amir adds, uh, once Peterman's mother yells at Bosco, which leads Peterman going all in on the Bosco investigation, shouldn't George just move away from Bosco's ATM code? He can either change it to something new or simply memorize you know, the, uh, the numbers, 26726. Mm-hmm. Isn't that what any normal person would do once their ATM code is no longer secure? Like, yeah, but maybe, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, and maybe he just doesn't care. I mean, you need the card also. It's not like people can access your ATM without the card. Uh, yeah, but also, I, I think in George's mind, he's turning a corner where it's like, the code doesn't matter anymore, so I'm just going to let everyone know. It's not going to own me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Amir also adds, why is Jerry's suggestion of, come on down to Leap and Larry's, if you can beat our prices, we'll give you the store. Why is that even a joke? Is it supposed to be clever or funny? If so, why? <laughs> yeah, I-, I think it's best if we don't think too hard about the Leap and Larry endorsements. I think it's really... Yeah, and I, I, he's, he's proving our point, which is like, they really needed an ad agency in the room here. Yes, they needed a Don Draper to come in and say, uh, yeah, that's not working. Totally. Okay, uh... One final email from, uh, as Akiva has dubbed him, uh, the Fred Stoller of emailers, Alexander Chester. To be fair, Fred Stoller's a little cooler, but it's the same idea. Well, he had a writing job on Seinfeld. That's true. Much cooler. Yeah. Writing and an acting gig. Yeah. So Chester says, I never understood the code Michigas. Jor-El, Bosco, did ATM pins not used to be four numbers? I got my first ATM card a year uh, after this episode, and the pin was four numbers. And by the way, is it canon that George loves Bosco and drink it all the time, or is this a first? Yeah, well, it's not mentioned. I think Elaine drinks chocolate milk in an early episode. There's no George chocolate milk before Hmm. this. Also, Chester says, what kind of a jerk is the woman who works for Leap and Larry who laughs at her boss's disability? Yeah, Uh, she should be fired, by the way. This doesn't get mentioned, but she should have been fired in the episode, clearly. Especially after Jerry explains that he wasn't making fun of her, but she thinks that an imitation of him is really funny. Yeah, I think that Jerry could have been outraged and really thrown her under the bus, where it's like, like, how dare you? Totally. uh, Like, my my leg is asleep. Like, I would never do something like that, you sick person. Totally, I agree. Yeah. Then, uh, but maybe it's like Leap and Larry's daughter. Oh, good point. Yeah. That then makes her even a worse person, but unfireable. Yes. Okay. Then 
Also, Chester adds, so let's say Peterman's in such a rush to get to his mother that he can't drop George off, even at a red light. What compels George to walk into Mrs. Peterman's house? I do think that that uh, it was that Peterman just is like, uh, George, I need you uh, by my yeah. side. Yeah, you know, he's, he, there's nobody else there. And Peterman, even at Peterman's mom's funeral, the people he's leaning on are George and Elaine. Like, he has no friends, Peterman. Also, Chester adds, I love how Fred Stoller is basically playing himself. If you ever heard him on WTF or other podcasts, he is an awkward neb who lives with his mom for most of his life. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a little uh, slanderous now. I mean, if, he, if it's what he says, it's what he said. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's a quote or that's Chester is, uh, you know, uh, coming down hard on Fred Stoller. Um, no, I mean, he is awkward. He is kind of a nebbishy guy. Mm hmm. Um, oh, I'm talking about Chester. Sorry. I, oh. I didn't know where you're <laughs> Oh. Zing. Yeah. All right. Uh, good job here today, Keeve. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, it's hard to follow up the soup Nazi. You know, we yeah. really had to sometimes, you know, listen, same thing with Seinfeld. They Last week, they did the soup Nazi, and this week, they, they put out <laughs> the secret code. Yeah. So maybe this is our secret code. Okay, we'll see. Uh, you we'll guys be back next week. We'll be back next week. All right. Uh, next week, uh, you mentioned it before, the pool guy. Uh, yep. Eve, I remember nothing about a pool guy. Yeah, well, it's funny because it's the title uh, sort of storyline, but obviously what everyone remembers is 555 Filk yeah. and the movie phone guy. So we're going to talk <laughs> a lot about the movie phone guy, but also about the pool guy, uh, yeah. about Ramon. and Who has uh, a pool? Um, the, the pool guy. She just meets a pool guy. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, uh, Susan has a pool guy, to answer your question, by the way. Okay. But uh, Jerry meets the pool guy in the movie theater. Okay. All right. Well, so we'll get into all that. I'm sure it'll come back to me when we watch the episode. But just from the name alone, I don't remember what else is going on in this episode. Yeah, but the 555 Filk is 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 by far the most, uh, you know, remembered Iconic, part of... right. Yes. Okay. Uh, Keith, what's the hashtag today? Uh, <laughs> it, get, what's the what's the lawyer's name? Hashtag Marcus Wilcox. Get Marcus Wilcox on Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> <laughs> Very long hashtag. Yeah. Well, listen. There's nothing else to say. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all good stuff along the way. You can follow Keeve on Twitter at Keeve26. What's coming up on the 32 Fans Podcast? Uh, we're about to start football season. This week we did an episode where we argued about what we should discuss during football season. Uh, everything Chester said was idiotic and wrong <laughs> and set us back many years. He wants to, Rob, he wants to do uh, four teams at once. What do you think about that? Well, four teams at once, what? So, like, he instead, because last week, last year, there's 32 NFL teams, and we did 32 separate podcasts, one per NFL team. Okay. I, you know, I was thinking, that's too many. We almost both got divorced. Like, it, we ruined our lives. It was insane. It was 32 days where we had to do 32 40 minute podcasts. It was totally mm-hmm. nuts. So I said, let's just do two teams at once. Let's do the Jets and the Patriots, the Dolphins and the Bills, you know, and we'll only do 16. And the, t- and the teams could argue, and they're rivals, and fine. Chester wants to do four teams at once, meaning it would be me, him, and four guests, six people on the air at one time. Like, like it's yeah. Fine. Like, if, if it's fine if you were, like, going to talk to, like, okay, today in this podcast, we're going to talk about the AFC East, and let's get one person on at a time right. from each team right. in the AFC East. Right. But, I mean, that's just, like, a cacophony of terrible, <laughs> of, like, like, you, that between the two of you guys uh, and then four other people talking four over other each people. other. And I've been on podcasts with three and, you know, me, uh, you or somebody else in a third person. And like sometimes you have like a take you want to get in. And by the time like it gets back to you, 
you well, can't, not to it's, mention, it's, a, it's a cold take. Also, that each person that you were adding to the mix, like there are more potential like connection issues that you could have. So totally. And they could not show up. You could have one person with a terrible connection that like is killing everything. Yeah, well, at least they're only one-sixth of the podcast then, but I agree. And listen, Ra- uh, Chester, this is an award-winning podcaster telling you that your idea is bad. Yeah. Look, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, it's your show. You guys do whatever you want, but that's that's too many people. on. But to be fair, if to have to do 16 shows in August with Chester is is pretty daunting. It's <laughs> daunting. But. I did ask. I said, like, a, like I want to be on some of them, but not all of them. Okay, but he 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 said no. He said you know uh, he he doesn't appear to approve like appreciate my presence when I'm there. Mm-hmm. But the idea of me missing an episode is like is not an option to him for some OCD reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's like my marriage. Like, yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> I don't, don't want you here, you but like you're not allowed anywhere here, else. <laughs> and then also like uh, the idea of me not right. Like, you going uh, away for a few days is out of the question. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, so that's gonna do it. Uh, big news also that. Uh, Mike Moore returned to uh, our recapping of the episodes uh, for the Soup Nazi. Welcome back, Mike. Welcome home. Uh, uh, thanks for coming back, Mike. Uh, Mike's a Patriots fan, right? Yes. All right. So he is the uh, he's the Jimmy Garoppolo of uh, recappers. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He was serving a four week suspension, and then he came back. That's right. There was okay. the the uh, the, in, the recaps were inflated. And now they are deflated. Yes. Okay. And of course, uh, thanks to Scott St. Pierre, uh, who has uh, the uh, the patience of a, of a saint, of St. Pierre, to uh, listen to this entire show and cut down even the, the, the parts that were too terrible for you guys to listen to. Yeah, just cut most of it out this week, Scott. <laughs> I don't even... There's there's nothing that's precious this week. We take it all out. All right. Uh, Keith, anything else? No, I'm good. I'm going to fall asleep the second all right, we hang Take up. care, everybody. <laughs> Talk to you next week. Uh, for the pool guy, bye.